I was wondering what this story needed, and I thought long and hard to myself, and it's definitely a Jar Jar Binks character. I've never wanted to have sex with a pot pie, but like, I'd have sex with that pot pie. <laughs> We're all weak to stepping on nails. Let me preface this by saying I wrote a script. Daytona Beach is like two mild inconveniences from being a post-apocalyptic wasteland anyway. So many of my tabs say semen. Are you guys ready for this weird horny adventure that we're all about to go on? You can't handcuff me for skanking. This motherfucker gaslights you. Diet Coke and Sorrow will be chapter four. And against all odds, Kyle, we became those swirly weirdos. This whole podcast is a very negative mouthfeel. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how somehow me dragging Matt to a Coheed and Cambria <laughs> concert three years ago here in Columbus is about to finally pay off. Okay, I think that dragging really misrepresents the situation. I was pretty stoked on that <laughs> yeah, concert. Matt's, that's fair. You were, Matt's you were, not a friend or a fan of music, so yeah, I understand yeah. that. You, oh, especially were, rock music? No, of course not. <laughs> I, I feel like your your vibe was like cautiously optimistic. You were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, well, yeah, you were like, fair. hey, do you want to go see Coheed and Cambria? I was like, I know exactly one Coheed and Cambria yeah. song from Guitar Hero or from Rock and Band. You <laughs> Well, um, let's yeah. let's let's get into this. So, obviously, today's topic is very exciting for me personally. Um, <laughs> I have been a huge Coheed and Cambria fan. I mean, like top three bands uh, for for years, pretty much since uh, since college, since their third studio album came out, all the way back in like late two thousand five. Um, now, listeners out there, and Matt, uh, <laughs> most likely, <laughs> um, you most likely have heard the song "Welcome Home" or the song "A Favor House Atlantic." Uh, Good eye sniper. We're gonna do that a lot. Um, All right, we made it. What a minute into the recording before that happened. Yep. Yep. Um, both of those songs were featured on Rock Band, like way back in the day. So if you had the same origin story as everybody doing this show, then you've probably heard these songs. Um, but if you only know the big singles, you might not know that every single one of Coheed and Cambria's studio albums, save for one, are actually concept albums. And, and not just like Tommy by The Who concept albums, but I mean, <laughs> each of these concept albums are actually based on an ongoing science fiction graphic novel called Amory Wars that's written and published independ- independently by the band's singer and frontman, Claudio Sanchez. I did so, not know this. I knew at all. I knew yeah. that they were like a concept band, a prog band as it were. Mm-hmm. I did not know that the tie to a, gra- a sci-fi graphic novel published by singer and frontman Claudio Sanchez. So before we were recording, Todd said like, "Oh, is this like a, a thing where the the band made a graphic novel based on the songs and my answer to that is no they made songs based on a graphic novel (laughs) they worked backwards from the punchline they did and and that's 100 percent fact and not an exaggeration so therefore today we're gonna break down the first major part of this massive science fiction epic that spanned almost 20 years (laughs) And to help me are my wow. fellow resistance fighters, Todd, 10 speed of God's blood and burial, Thomas, Matt, man your own jackhammers, Cole, and Kyle, I need Mayo Harper. 
one of these things is not like the other. But they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> they all are. I mean, so they're all they're all coheed lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, need mayo, huh? I need, I need mayo. mayo. We're gonna talk about all three of these. Well, we'll talk about. I'll, I'll quickly. Ten speed of God's blood and burial. We're not gonna get to is off the third album, and that's literally the the title. That that line is written by a character in the third novel called the Writing Writer. Oh, good. Um, Man Your Own Jackhammers is from the second album, which we'll talk about, and I Need Mayo will be is from the first album and will become pretty pretty clear pretty soon. Um, Excellent. Okay. It's actually, the uh, the protagonist's name is <laughs> An- I Need antagonist. Mayo. Antagonist. Oh, anti. My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Get it I can't right. Tell Todd. if you're joking or not. Mm-hmm. Not really sure. Not, I'm not joking. Um, none, I'm gonna the, the next two and a half hours are gonna be. I'm not going to tell a single joke, and you're gonna be laughing the whole time. <laughs> Now, before we jump in, I, I need to shout out. So I found this podcast while I was doing research. That was a huge help in filling in. Because as you can imagine, a a, uh, a graphic novel that is arguably not very good, um, that, is, that has been out for 20 years based on a series of prog rock albums, not a lot of scholars on the matter. So... Um, if you listening out there, and let me say, like I, I thoroughly enjoyed, I just, uh, I bought the, literally came today, here's the third book in the series, so like I very much like, I, I had a lot of fun reading this series, but this is objectively bad. Like I just want to say, like <laughs> these are like, my favorite. Yeah, like as far as far as like graphic like comics go, this is not a good comic, but but oh my god, is it fun? <laughs> oh my god, is it a good time? But boy, is it a wild ride. Boys at a wild ride. Um, but yeah, I want to shout out this podcast. So if you're listening, you like Coheed and Cambria, you're interested in Amory Wars, or you know you want you want some more after we talk about this, definitely, definitely go check out this podcast called The Amory Score. Um, it is a podcast by Abnormal Mapping, and they have a bunch of different shows like this. Um, each episode, they have and they have an entire like like show dedicated to going song by song album by album um and go breaking down the entire amory wars saga which like yeah so definitely if you have any interest in this uh, outside of today's episode uh, definitely go check them out um we'll see okay we'll see how, yes. I, how I feel at the end of this <laughs> yes. two and a half hours um, the, we always start these flavor texts uh which we go around the horn and talk about our prior knowledge obviously you've heard i have a lot um let's go the rest of you guys uh, what do you know of anything about co and cambria or the amory wars can I establish the floor? Um, yes. It's, it's the two songs that you <laughs> named. Yeah. Um, similar to Todd, I'm, I'm very familiar with those two songs. Um, I've, I've tried getting into Coheed and Cambria in the past. It's not, it's not my bag, but I've listened mm-hmm. to maybe, I, it probably one of these albums, but that was, a decade ago when I was really trying and have lost any knowledge I would have gathered from it. So I'm, I'm going in almost as cold as Todd. Yeah. Well, Andrew, as noted seven minutes ago, Mm -hmm. three years ago, you dragged me to a Coheed and Cambria concert and I learned all of the things from your opening paragraph. Um, (laughs) And in the last three years, I've also like listened to a couple of albums and, Coheed's very much in my wheelhouse of music, but a band that I kind of feel like I missed the train on, and so I'm excited to get the yeah the other stuff. Yeah, I get that. Um, I'll I'll just say too, and like so. In addition, I mean, I've made it very clear that I, I've been a big fan for a long time. I've seen them three live three times, um, 
once at a, a, a music festival in Cincinnati when uh, Claudio Sanchez got so pissed because they were actually opening for, they were going right before Post Malone and all the people watching <laughs> were there to see Post Malone and did, had no idea. So like me, myself and four other 30 year olds were screaming, uh, man, your own jackhammers. Um, and actually Claudio was so pissed that like nobody was, they left. So like nice. oh, wow. they just pieced, wow. they pieced out. This is the first time I saw them. So like I I I made a, a special thing to see them in Columbus like two weeks later, um, and I took my wife <laughs> and she <laughs> and it, it poured down rain the whole time. Oh man! But it was a good show. It was a really fun show. Um, I was there the third time. You were there the third time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We have just been floored by the support that we've been mm-hmm. getting from people. And if, if you're listening out there and you already have or you've got one in the works, thank you so much. Um, we, honest to God, like this was kind of a flex, like did not expect people <laughs> to actually take us up on this. And uh, we this this whole Flavor Text Commission thing has gotten so popular. We are, as of July or as of August 1st, we are booked out through next February which is awesome wild but also yeah. but also yeah. what that means is we're going to put this on hold for a few months just to allow us to catch up a little bit because i, I would really hate for somebody to pay 50 dollars now and get something like a year from now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so if you are out there and you're interested in commissioning an episode one thank you um two we will be opening that again likely after um, our Halloween month, our Spooktacular Express. Um, so keep an eye out. We'll uh, obviously announce it on the show, but keep an eye out for if you're on Patreon, we'll send out a message as well. Um, cool. Let's get into Coheed. So um, obviously we're going to talk about the Amory Wars, but first I really, like I do, I like to do this, just do a little bit of a background of the band. I'm going to go through some of the albums and some of the major beats here. So Coheed and Cambria really gets its origins way back in the in the late mid to late 90s. Um, Following a string of these failed rock band groups, uh, frontman Claudio Sanchez formed Shabuti, which was a uh, a punk a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure how that word was pronounced, and I'm glad that Shibuti. Shibuti no, was I, it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. saw that coming. Um, yeah, what a it's what not, a '90s punk rock band name that is. It's super. It's super. Is it's got an umlaut on the on the mm-hmm. U, so you would think it's Shabuti, uh, but it's not. It's Shabuti. Um, so you've got uh, frontman Claudio Sanchez on guitar and vocals, uh, Travis Stever on lead guitar, Michael Todd on bass, and Josh Eppard on drums. This is um, the lineup for Shibuti. Shibuti. Are mm-hmm. this is this also the lineup for Coheed? Most of them are still in the okay. band today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. It is cool. Um, Shibuti released an EP called Delirium Trigger in 2000, which, going all the way back, was uh, originally so like the original idea for this band was we're going to base this on a comic this is based on what ended up being the first two chapters of second stage turbine blade at the time was called the bag online adventures wonderful (laughs) not good what a Um, what a again very mm -hmm. 2000s name for a web comic yeah it it has big zine energy yes yeah Mm Um, so the band decided after that came out to rename themselves Coheed and Cambria after the comic's two main protagonists. And oh. then, mm-hmm, yep. Um, and then they just doubled down and they were all like, yep, this is our, this is our band. We're, we're going to be a concept band. And, and that was it. And then so went yeah. on and then went on to be one of the most well-known prog rock bands in the world. Yeah. 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 Um, question for you, Andrew, and you may mm-hmm. not know the answer to this, but so this 
this is all based on a thing that Claudio Sanchez wrote. So is this Claudio Sanchez roping his friends along on his creative journey? Or are all of these guys really into Claudio Sanchez's writing and are like, man, this is such prolific (laughs) writing. We have to to be be a band. (laughs) Yeah, we're so lucky to be doing this with Claudio Sanchez. Well, Kyle... You're, I would say, like Kyle's a musician. Matt, you you've played music, but you've been a musician at one point in your life, right? Like, if someone gives you the opportunity to play band, uh, play in a band that could likely go pretty far, do you take the offer? That's uh, even if they have some some weird hangups that's that aren't deal breakers. Either either that yeah. or work in an office. I mean, that's it's a really Touché. good point. Yeah. Touche, sir. <laughs> Question answered. You yeah, got exactly. It. So that's my answer. So, um, so Code and Cambria released their first studio album in 2002 called The Second Stage Turbine Blade, which was much less progressive rock and more just like hardcore punk. Um, so and this is, this is, their, this is what we, we're going to be talking about this one and the next album. And that one, you can go listen to it on Spotify. It is very punk. It is, it, it is arguably not progressive at all. Um, How the, much I, of <clears throat> Delirium Trigger is on Second Stage Turbine Blade? All of it. Got it. Yeah, all of it. Okay. Um, some of it exists as uh, B-side demos and, and EPs, like Hidden yeah. Shack stuff, but it's it's all part of that. And um, Turbine Blade is an LP, right? Yes, correct. Got it's, it. a, it's a full studio album. Yeah. Cool. Um, so a year later, after Turbine Blade, the band released In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, colon, three. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first one. Which uh, which featured two hit singles, uh, "Blood Red Summer," and of course, "A Favor House Atlantic." Uh, so both of these songs actually would get fully directed music videos that, of course, had nothing to do with the source material. No, See, of that course was not. Be my, I was why would ask they? that? But that's great. Favor Favor House Atlantic is just like the video is just like them hitting on women. It's very mm-hmm. two thousand three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to make it on MTV. Like, if yeah, your video yeah. is not on TRL, nobody's paying attention to yeah, it. Yeah, that's yep. very and, true. And it did, and they did. So Favor House hit big. Coheed and Cambria were launched into mainstream. Now, again, they were not a progressive rock band at this point. They were still just like a punk band. So you would see them in, among the likes of the Warp Tour. Um, they were touring with uh, you know a bunch of the punk bands at the time. I don't know the Wikipedia page pulled up. But um, basically, so In Keeping Secrets was, I would say, their first like big hit album. Um, that was certified gold by the RIAA. Um, and they were, they, were, they were kicking after that. Um, I think in Keeping Secrets of the Silent Earth is a very, very good album. It's still to this day probably one of my favorites. I listened to that today. It's really good. Nice. I liked it. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's great. Um, in 05, they released their third. And then this is, I'd say, the, argue their probably most commercially successful album, which is, get ready for this title, Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, comma, Volant, Jesus. Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, comma, Volume 1, colon, From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. <laughs> Now this, I have to believe, is where they shifted into prog rock. Correct, Kyle. <laughs> That's yeah. a prog rock album if I ever heard one. It yeah. sure is. Um, so this featured the hit Welcome Home, which everybody has heard. I guarantee you have heard that one. Which um, was on Rock Band first. It right? was. It was It was that one and, and oh. Godspeed, uh, Ten Speed of God's Blood and Burial were both on Rock Band. Back when Rock Band hmm. was still doing covers. Yeah, uh-huh. so when that, it was it like this, the house band. Exactly. It wasn't licensed. Favorite House Atlantic was added as DLC, but that was the first licensed one. 
Um, so at this point, they stopped touring with punk rock bands and, in, and instead were pairing up with groups like Circus Survive, who Todd and I saw, if you remember that. Yeah, that was, was good. Anthony Green's band, yeah. Um, so this was like that that kind of like post-punk, mid-aughts, uh, progressive rock. 110% my shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, I think this is the one I listened to because I chased down where okay. welcome home came from when i okay. tried to do the it's, dive the album cover just has a big red iv like roman numeral four. yep yep yeah mm-hmm. this was I mean, when this is, all this of, is the one everyone knows all of the people that i were hanging out with when this album came out either went to prog rock or went to hardcore yeah. and yeah. i went the hardcore direction which the, i think is why i missed coheed the the freshman dorm this is for nobody but the people in this this podcast the freshman <laughs> dorm that that i todd and kyle all lived at our freshman year um had this, this was on like, constant rotation th- this this album was the like official theme song or the official theme of of dunlap king in in 2006 we all um, for for listeners at home we all we all at different times lived in the the arts dorm and yeah, it was, that all it, very yeah. tracks. Yeah, we we smoke clove cigarettes and listen to this album. <laughs> um, two years later, Coheed and Cambria released the follow up to that album called "Good Apollo." I'm Burning Star Four Volume Two: Colon No World for Tomorrow. Um, now, this was the end of the main Amory Wars storyline. So these first four albums, this is your this is your um, Star Wars: New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Return of the Jedi. So, Good Apollo and Burning Star 4 is Return of the Jedi. Okay. Cool. Hmm. Also, it's, this is fucking edgy Star Wars. This is just edgy Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking Star Wars. Um, it's Star Wars with an R rating. Yeah. I, I wrote in my notes here, um, this was what I had on loop at our, at our college student radio <laughs> station for an entire year. What he actually um, has is, because he buries the lead in the notes, is if you happen to be listening to our college radio station, you would have heard this a lot, which yeah. you then answered my question. My follow-up question was, was that because you were the one playing it all the time? That's correct. So t- 2009's, uh, the next album, 2009, Year of the Black Rainbow, uh, was a prequel set in the years before the events of Second Stage Turbine Blade. Um, so there was some si- si- uh, singles like Here We Are Juggernaut. Um, unfortunately, after this album, the band hit a setback when the bassist Mike Todd was arrested for armed robbery of a Walgreens. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Which is very not prog rock. I mean, um, who amongst us? Right? Um, Mike Todd was later replaced with their current bassist, Zach Cooper. But again, like we noticed, noted earlier in the episode... All, almost all of them still to, still with the band to this day, which is pretty cool. So they they let Todd back it. Um, they let Mike back in after he got out of jail. Uh, they did not. Oh, okay. Um, Zach Zach Cooper is still their current bassist. Gotcha. Do, um, uh, one more question on this topic: uh-huh. what did what did Mike Todd steal or try to steal? I don't know. It just it's said probably, armed robbery of a Walgreens. Okay. It's probably those like those nice shaving razors. That they Dude, keep I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's the only thing that is the actually that like tagged at a Walgreens. Having worked at a pharmacy like that, it's yeah. the only thing that's that's microchipped. It's that and the condoms. You have to get yeah. a key, yeah. the key for it. An adult has to look you in the eye and unlock them. <laughs> Um, so in 2012 and then in 2013, respectively, uh, there is a two-part album called The Afterman Colon Ascension and The Afterman Colon Des- Descension. Um, <laughs> gotta go up, gotta come down. This was, this, was, this was your Rogue One. This was kind of a, an in-canon side story okay. um, about the, setting up the, the extended universe of Amory Wars, um, featuring a character named, get ready for it, Sirius Amory. 
So is there not an Amor is there not a character named Amory in the Amory Wars story until Nope a decade later? Yep. Good. Um That's the, uh, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but the Amory Wars is named after this character because Sirius Amory uh coined the keywork, which is like the main uh, energy source. It's it's the fucking life stream from Final Fantasy VII. Claudio Sanchez invented the fucking life stream fifteen years later. Bef- is how how Kingdom Hearts is this gonna get Andrew? I I told you it's ed- it's edgy Star Wars. Like okay. that is one hundred percent. It's okay. edgy Star Wars. Yeah, it's Star Wars with with kid murder and child murder. So get ready. Neat. I mean, There's Star child Wars murder also had child murder. Yeah. There's yeah. child yeah. murder in actual Star Wars. Not until it's, the prequels, though. Mm, it's different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a few a few years later, we saw the release of The Color Before the Sun, which this was the still to this day the only album that is not connected to Amory Wars. Until Seems two, until three lazy. albums from now, where where they reveal it was connected and it all it all loops <laughs> yeah. back. In. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bad batch situation. Um, okay, wait. So is the color before the sun more or less progressive than all of the other albums? Um, it's pretty much similar in tone. It just it's just unconnected um, mm. to the storyline. Yeah. Um, so and then the the most the, the most recent as of this recording the most recent studio album was came from 2018 which was called Vaxis hyphen Act One colon the Unheavenly Creatures, um, which is the beginning of the next saga. So this is our Force Awakens. Okay, all of these so are, are, are Kingdom Hearts subtitles. Yeah, they sure are. <laughs> <laughs> there are some Square Enix ass subtitles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, I want to note Jesse's Girl Two, for some reason, came yeah. out last year. That, that girl, was... that, that girl, that song rips. They it wrote. Did. Wait, is that good. they wrote a sequel to Jesse's Girl? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Did, did anyone did. ask them to do that? And they did it. Did. No, but Rick Springfield's in the video. <laughs> okay, I was gonna. That was my follow up. Is Rick Springfield involved in any way? And yep. um, right. is the hook as good as? The, the hook in or it, the original. It's really good. I, I love that song and the video yeah. is really fun because it's got it's got it Rick Springfield just as like a sad bartender. <laughs> and then right. he does like he does like a verse in the bridge. He's like he's like so sad. I love it. It's it's but it's fucking bonkers. Um so and and I should note too at the time of this recording, this is uh, like I said, August first, um, they just came out with a new single uh like a week ago called Shoulders, which is unnamed yet, but it's supposed to be for their next studio album, so I would assume it's gonna be part of Act Two of Vaxis. I do not care. <laughs> I, I you will after you telling this, Todd. Me Telling me chronologically where it falls in the lore, but yikes. All right, you guys ready? Yeah, ready to man. get into this? All right, let's get some child murder. So, second stage turbine blade. We're going to start with a fucking bang. Um, so, as we do all with all of these flavor texts, there is an imager library. Um, I will call out, if, if you've not looked at our imager libraries before... Definitely check it out. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. I was able to pull a lot of panels from the actual comic. Again, thanks to the Amory Score, uh, a podcast by Abnormal Mapping, because they their website actually has a lot of the like high res scans of the of the panels from this comic. Otherwise, like the wiki is not finalized. Like there's no other images that exist for this for this particular medium. So 
you'll get a really good sense of what the comic looks like. And, and the art is the, oh, chef's kiss. The art is really, really pulls it all together. If so you're listening to this while uh, driving, make it work. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> this is important. You can, you can pull over. Um, so starting with image one. Um, this is kind of setting up the narrative framing. So we talked about this with the Witcher books. Um, the Witcher does this a lot. Uh, every volume, at least every volume that I've read so far of Amory Wars is told in some sort of flashback, dual flashback narrative, if you will. So you start and like, it's been seven years since blah, 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 right? So it's somebody <laughs> telling you the story, a character telling you a story of something that's already happened. Um, so a long time Sage ago Turbine in a galaxy blade. far, far away. Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yep. Oh, Kyle, we're gonna we're gonna get there. <laughs> don't don't bore, don't bury my lead. Um, so the entirety of this story, Second Stage Turbine Blade, is being recounted by a man named Inferno. Uh, that takes place six years. Um, well, he is six years following the events of the story, and he is shown in image one. And yes, he does look like Machete. <laughs> he does. He <laughs> looks so Trejo. much like Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo yeah. He's here. Yeah. Um, the story begins with the introduction setting up the world. Um, what you need to know is uh, the idea of this uh, basically space colony called Heaven's Fence. This is a network of 78 planets linked together and lit- aligned literally in the shape of a triangle by some like magic space destiny space energy called the Keywork. Okay. Image two shows the panel that kind of sets that up. Um, that's where our, our, our boy Sirius Amory comes into play. You'll never hear about him again. You'll never hear about him again. But he's, he's in one panel, and he's the one that like, is, like, discovered the keywork or whatever. So that's why it's called Amory Wars. The keywork is, is all of the MacGuffin. It's the force. It's the, you know, it's the energy. It's the life form, the life force, whatever. For some reason, I expected the triangle to be hollow in the middle and not filled like one yeah. of the... Cracker Barrel pegboard games. <laughs> uh, image three is the the like the symbol of the fence or the logo of the fence. Um, oh, that's what that shit is. That is also <laughs> the Coheed and Cambria band. band Coheed and Cambria uses that as their band's logo. Oh, of course yeah. they do. Which mm-hmm. do you think came first? The comic came first. I'm telling you, the comic okay, came first. So, yeah. I, but, but I mean, even like the symbol, like even the symbol, like oh, they put uh, it in the comic, and then they're like, "That's mm-hmm. our band symbol." Yeah, it wasn't it like they Probably. had a red band symbol, and they're yeah, like, "How I, do we tie?" Okay, confirmed. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Gross. Like, I I always knew that this comic existed, but I did not realize that it is like required reading. It's required reading. Yeah, um, it's wild. Okay, so fast forward to present day. We get our main our, our main bad guy, the Supreme Tri Mage Wilhelm Ryan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he is image four. He's big and blue and looks like Doctor Doom. He looks um, he, he looks like um Kang. More or Kang. More yeah. specifically, yeah. The the name Wilhelm Ryan is the kind of NPC unit name you get if like two friends at the count of three both say a name and like one of them's like oh like the wilhelm scream that's funny the other person's like i like the name ryan and like that's what you get you get this you want to you want to break down tri-mage for us we will okay (laughs) it's better than a bi-mage or an unimage a unimage is what i meant to say uh Wilhelm Ryan rules over the over Heaven's Fence with his Imperial Guard, the Red Army. He does Imperial ass Imperial things. 
<laughs> they put Imperial uh, in front of it so you know it's bad. Yep. Uh, we are then introduced to the main character of Second Stage Turbine Blade, Mr. Coheed Kilgannon. <laughs> oh. Guys, How? I have so much left. You gotta let me keep going. Oh man! <laughs> like I, I do, I do want to love this, and I'm sure there's going to be something good here eventually. But the names are not it. You guys ready for child murder? Because Coheed wakes up from a nightmare that he almost that he has basically nightly, where he breaks out of this lab full of scientists with these metallic claws that are like coming out of his arm. That's totally original. We've never seen that anywhere before. No. Um, his wife, Cambria, says it's just a dream. Don't worry about it. So in image five, we see just the lovely, like, all of the family gathered together around the dining room, around the breakfast table. We see Coheed and Cambria's two youngest children, uh, twins, Maria and Matthew, their teenage son, Claudio. That's the name you've heard uh, before. Uh, and the oldest daughter, Josephine. And they all live in a quiet, happy suburb on the planet Hectricius. Hectricius. Hectricius looks a hell of a lot like mid-century America. Yeah, specifically New Jersey. (laughs) It is is bold to put your own name in the comic book as like a kid, especially if your name is so distinct. Do you want to guess? I have a feeling, though, Andrew's about to tell us that that this kid's about to get killed. Well, one of these kids is going to make it, and one of these kids is going to become our special boy. Oh, okay. Claudio? Never mind then. <laughs> it's not Josephine. <laughs> uh, so, man. the story begins when Coheed is approached by a mysterious man named Mayo Deftonwolf, a general serving in the Red Army. He is Image Six. Mayo. This, th- these, all these names sound like they come from the same like name generator that um, Donald Glover got Childish Gambino from. <laughs> Hey, uh, DC Comics called, and they're filing for uh, copyright infringement on Cyborg against General yeah, Mayo like, Dettenwolf. He super looks like Cyborg. Um, mm-hmm. General Dettenwolf approaches Coheed and tells him, reveals to him, that he and his wife were actually both created in a lab, bred to be destructive bioweapons. Classic. Right? As, uh, you, as one does. Happens. <laughs> if um, I had a nickel. Mm-hmm. Coheed's was dubbed the Beast, and Cambria was dubbed the Knowledge. And together, along with Coheed's brother, Jesse, the Inferno, they, the three of them made up the elite KBI, which was, a f- <laughs> <laughs> which was a fighting force designed to defend the frame. Okay, so for all the names we're dunking on, Coheed and Cambria are actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Like, those are, those are good. And that's the last sentence I'm going to say about that. (laughs) But, Todd, here's the twist, right? Um, The only one. The only twist? Unfortunately, whoops, uh, Coheed was actually injected with an experimental virus known as the Monstar. No. Wait, like the bad guys (laughs) from Space Jam? Like the bad guys from Space Jam. (laughs) Um. The Monstar virus was then carried over to his children and mutated as the Sinstar. Nope. That's not better. Okay. Um, and he explains, if gone unchecked, the Sinstar virus would lead to the inevitable destruction of the entire keywork. So, D- Mayo Deftonwolf tells Coheed that the only choice is that he kill his children. <sighs> Man. Uh, that's it. Like, that's it. And, and that is the level of convincing that Coheed Kilgannon needs in order to do a child murder. 
I mean, hey, so like that's not very much. No, no. that's about all the convi- like the other the other famous story of child murder from the Bible. That's all the the convincing Abraham yep. needed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a, point. Yep, there's a lot of biblical connections to this. Uh, our special boy Claudio. Spoiler alert. Is an elegant analogy for Jesus. Oh, um, so, I was gonna guess Mayo. Um, it's not Mayo. Mayo is the devil. Um, <laughs> so the 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 thinly veiled excuse, the very sinister Mayo Defton Wolf tells Coheed on the twenty on your children each on each of your children's twenty third birthday, the sin star will it, basically like ignite. whatever come the ignite. Yeah, whatever verb you want to use. Well, it just so happens to be Josephine's 23rd birthday tomorrow, so Kohi needs to do it today. And he says, and Defton Wolf says, if, if, if he doesn't do it today, then the Red Army will kill them all instead, and they will do it much more slowly. And he says that with, like, <laughs> he's a very sinister, like, he is, he is, again, like Star Wars, he is uh, Admiral, what's his fuck, in, uh, in, in the first oh, Star Wars Oh, uh, Tarkin? Tarkin. He's just, like, evil for evil's sake. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a yeah. piece of shit. Just so, a piece, piece so of shit, so, sadistic So you bastard. can either kill your daughter, or we will, but yeah. we'll, but kill her worse. Yeah. Um, both options bad. Both options equally painful for you, probably. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. hey, guess what? This guy is evil, and to show that he's evil, we, we cut to uh, the Legion of Doom. Uh, Supreme Supreme Tri-Mage Wilhelm Ryan sitting on his throne atop his prog rock castle <laughs> named the House Atlantic. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like again fucking rad, and the House Atlantic looks looks awesome. Like well, it's obviously like, like nothing yeah. looks cooler than prog rock castles. Exactly, prog rock yeah. castles are the epitome of cool. Yeah, the epitome exactly. Um, so uh, Mayo contacts Wilhelm Ryan and tells him, "Are we that like, wait? Stop we're, everything. We're gonna I can't we're gonna tell if go. that's a joke or if if that if we're we need let it to go. lean into Matt for saying epitome wrong. We're gonna let it go. Okay. We, we love Matt." Um, so it was intentional. I figured. Yeah. Um, so Mayo then calls Ryan and says, "Phase one is complete." Mwahaha. Um, Ryan, Rilham Ryan is like basically Megatron. <laughs> like he's got big, like <laughs> like he's like yes, yes. Um, he says, "Well, he what does he say?" He says, uh, "Coheed and Cambria will need to be taken to Paris Earth in two days." Uh, and if he can't, if Mayo can't do that, then the priests will take care of it while he's rubbing his hands together. Sure. And he says, he closes out by saying, they, the priests, along with the flies, will destroy all of Sector 12. So there you go. Okay. Um, we are also, uh, one of the things that this book does that I do not like is it, it jumps around a lot. Um, it, it is like, there are a lot of characters, there are a lot of things happening simultaneously, and like you'll get one page and like something happens and then you'll jump back and you'll jump back again. So like the first half of Second Stage Turbine Blade, I swear to God, are just like introductions, introductions, introductions. So I'm cutting out. There's a lot more here when I'm not talking about. Um, I'm just going to give you the most important people. So we're quickly introduced to the Prees, which is this race of blue-skinned kind of female angel warriors who like, are. And you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, they're all based on Star Four, which is the center of Heaven's Frame. Remember, good Apollo and burning Star Four. Yeah. I was gonna um, say they're like they're like flying winged blonde haired Cortanas. Yeah, or they're angels. They're angels. I mean, yeah. again, this is like this is yeah. this is very biblical, very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's image seven. Um, and then here we go. Our our self insert good good special boy Claudio. <laughs> 
image eight. He's being bullied at school to illustrate that he is misunderstood, but he doesn't fight back because he is a good, good special boy. Um, later on, he goes gallivanting around the town with his girlfriend, Nuo, and they have very hypersexualized self-insert high school love and just, you know, go out gallivanting around town. That's can, image eight. Can I bring up a question real quick? So, sure. The only one I'm going to have. Mm-hmm. So, Claudio, as you said, becomes an allegory for Jesus, Jesus Christo. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> are you, Andrew, telling me 30 minutes into this podcast that... The front man of Coheed and Cambria <laughs> made a comic book where he self-inserted his name onto a character and made that character an allegory for Christian Jesus. I really wish I could tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. Anyway, so Claudio's our special boy. Um, we flip to... and in, Okay, trigger warning. This next scene deals with sexual assault and it is completely unnecessary and does not need to happen. It is only here because it's strictly edgelordy and super misogynistic. So fair warning. Um, the next scene is we see Josephine, the oldest of the daughter of the oldest of the children and her fiance, Patrick driving through the city uh, because they're celebrating that Patrick just proposed. I think they stop in Jersey city, which I should note <laughs> is not Jersey city, USA, even though it looks like New Jersey that they're in. It is Jersey city in Hectricius. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the the title card usually literally says Jersey City, comma space. <laughs> so you could you could port any city you want. <laughs> we're to gonna a different planet. We're gonna New colonize city. <laughs> we're gonna colonize all of space and only recycle the mm-hmm. same like 150 Ooh. town names we and have. And to be clear, to be clear, there is an Earth, and because that's I Paris know. colon Earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's also a silent Earth, which is different. <laughs> Shut up. Woof. <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, yeah, so they stop at some makeout point, and they're assaulted by a gang, and Josephine is raped, and it sucks. Like, it is, it is gross. It, there's no reason this happens. It's just, like, it's just to be edgy. And we're not going to talk about it anymore because it sucks. Um, so Coheed returns home after being told he has to do a child murder, and uh, he talks about it with his wife. And again, like there's one page where they're like, "Should we kill our kids?" And it's like, "Well, it's for the good of the of the fence." And well, I guess like, we don't have a choice okay. when you put it that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, so he poisons. So again, Mayo Defton Wolf gives him like a suitcase full of poison because that's something that you do. <laughs> so um, Coheed poisons his two children, thinking it's gonna like you know take them really quick. And it doesn't, and they, like, suffocate to death. Like, a really tragic death. Um, So there's a scene where, like, Coheed's, like, holding them in his arms, and he's like, I can't do this again. I can't do this again. Yeah, you idiot. You just killed your kids, you fucking moron. (laughs) So he goes downstairs, and Josephine, because she just got sexually assaulted, is, like, crying and, like, throwing up in the sink. And, like, Cambria's, like, consoling her. And then they have a psychic conversation, because also Cambria has psychic telepathy powers. We'll get there. Um, okay. Coheed bashes her head in with a hammer and it just, Great. he does it. He does it. Sure. And then she's dead. So they decide that that's like a less painful death. Um, so anyway, cut to another character. Um, this hey, is, what's, um, Patrick, the fiance have to say about that. He has a whole side story and we're not going to talk about it because it doesn't matter because he dies. <laughs> There's like, there's like, I swear to God, 15 pages of Patrick just driving and ch- being chased by Constantine priests, and it doesn't matter because he gets he gets murdered. Like it's he doesn't get he doesn't matter. Got it. 
Yep. But Claudio wrote a whole side comic about Patrick, which is fun. Neat. Does mm-hmm. do do any of Great. Patrick's <laughs> exploits make it onto any of the albums? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a whole song. <laughs> it's called this 33. Is- so much more wild than I would have assumed. Well, than I <laughs> that I could have guessed. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, like, so we're going to introduce one more major player here. Um, this is Mariah Antillaria. Um, I don't have a picture of this one because basically, when you're introduced to Mariah, she's just flying. She's floating naked in a weird Dragon Ball Z isolation, like heavy pressure good. chamber. Um, in a hyperbolic Dragon Ball Z training chamber. And I think it's implied that she's also a prize, but she doesn't have, like, the angel wings or anything. doesn't matter. Um, just know that Mariah and Jesse are married, and she's the leader of the Resistance. Done. Um, so cut back to House Atlantic. Um, Wilhelm Ryan releases his trained hounds, the Onstantine Priests. Um, and this is image nine. Um, and by trained hounds, I mean they are zombified Cronenberg monsters that have teeth like Baraka from Mortal Kombat. Cool. Yep. So yeah. I mentioned the Tri-Mage. So you asked what, what a Tri-Mage was. So at the, in the beginning, there were three races in this world. You had the humans, which are humans. You had the Prees, which are your angels. And you had the mages. And the mages were kind of like demigods that were um, designed to rule over humanity. Wilhelm Ryan, we come to find out, killed all of the mages in the Mage Wars, and that was when Wilhelm Ryan basically took control of Heaven's Fence. Um, So what happened was, we find out later, you don't know this yet, but I'm going to tell you, he turned all, he like did black science to all the mages and turned them into these monsters and called them the Constantine Priests, Mm. and that is Image 9. Okay. Okay. I mean that name's kind of rad. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a cool name. Yeah. That, like that, they look cool. They're they're good. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, bad they're, guys. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty metal. So for the first like third of the of the book, there's a lot of just like Constantine priests chasing Patrick, Constantine priests chasing Claudio's girlfriend Nuo, Constantine priests chasing Claudio, and it's like it's. I'm not going to talk about it because there's nothing to say. Just that's what happens. But um, so Patrick super dies. So, I, I I I hate to keep like interrupting with these questions. So Are you sure. So, like, how on the nose are the al- other songs on the album? Do the words, We're going to talk about it. Do the words I actually, Constantine Priests appear in the yeah. lyrics of these songs? So, that's a really good question. I, I Actually, that's my fault. I should have set this up earlier. So, I actually went through every single song for these two albums, and I kind of, like, broke down, like, the the nods because again these are concept albums so some of them have more subtle nods than others okay um we'll we'll talk about it we're gonna go track by track okay okay cool great yeah um okay so we see mayo defton wolf talking to wilhelm ryan uh wilhelm ryan mentions the book of gonsgrad okay this is this universe's mystical prophecy sure and this is not the last time we're going to hear about Gonsgrad. Why would it be? <laughs> um, yep. Mm-hmm. The prophecy predicts that a child will be born to a trio and believes that this child will challenge his rule, the chosen one. Um, he also believes that the child might be, wait for it, Claudio Kilgannon. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore sends the priests and Mayo Deftonwolf all out to find Claudio. Okay. Um, 
Mayo, with this knowledge, heads back to the Kilgannon's home on Hectracius and finds Coheed and Cambria there with the dead bodies of their three children because they have, remember, they have four, so Claudio has not gone home yet. Mayo asks Coheed where Claudio is, and that's when Cambria remembers that she has Jean Grey powers. <laughs> Got it. And and she sees she gets this vision of the Red Army torturing Claudio. Um, they she has this like weird telepathic conversation with Coheed, and Coheed realizes that oh maybe this guy that told me to kill my kids is like not on the up and up, you know? Ah, yeah, <laughs> something fishy going on. Yeah, so he loses his damn mind, and metallic blades retract from his arm, and then he slices through a bunch of soldiers that are surrounding him, um, like a, like a Wolverine, yeah? like a Wolverine. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the two of them are tranquilized and are taken hostage by the Red Army to Paris, colon, Earth. <laughs> um, okay. So, Coheed and Cambria are gone. Maria, Matthew, Josephine, all dead in the Kilgannon's home. Um, Claudio arrives home to find his sister lying in a pool of blood, and he grabs her and holds her into in his arms, and at a brief flash of light, she comes back to life for just a few minutes and tells him what happened. What? And then dies oh. again. And this is image 10. Okay. For plot reasons. So Remember they I said that Claudio so is Jesus the, Yeah, I was gonna say uh, the Jesus yeah, allegory mm-hmm. is is mm-hmm. not subtle. There's oh Kyle, there's nothing subtle about this <laughs> story. Um so this is happening. He's holding Josephine in his arms. This is the first time the Constantine priest attacks. Um what you saw in image nine was was Claudio fighting against the priest. So Claudio tries to fight back with the hammer that killed Josephine. Um not able to do anything, but to his surprise, Claudio turns invisible and is able to slip away because he has special boy powers. Nice. Are um, his powers whatever the plot dictates them to be in that moment? I, I will defend the story a little bit and say that he does have consistent powers and the powers okay. the powers make sense for in-universe. Like, There's a reason why all these people have powers. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, they are... So cut back to Coheed and Cambria. So this is kind of, that's like act one of Second Stage Turbine Blade. Um, act two is, is mostly Coheed and Cambria are in transit to Paris Earth. Um, so they're on this ship called the Gloria Grau, Gloria Velvesa, I think it is. Um, while they're in transit, you see them in these two blue science tubes floating in science goo. And uh, Coheed's memories come flooding back. And remember, he was told that he was a secret operative and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he remembers that he was created in. He remembers that he was created in a test tube by a man named Doctor Hohenberger. Um, also, he remembers Doctor Hohenberger injecting baby Josephine with the virus. Uh, um, so mm. this the whole thing, yeah. Coe wakes up and goes all Wolverine on the scientist's asses. So again, like Weapon X shit, right? Um, Coheed shatters the glass with his arm blades. Cambria wakes up and uses her telekinetic powers because she's Jean Grey and she just explodes the scientist and the two go on a fucking rampage and it rules. Like this is when I was like, I was reading this. I was like, oh yeah, I'm back in. Okay, let's cool. This is cool. Um, this is image 11 and 12 here. Um, so there's a certain point when, um, Coheed's like kind of ripping people apart and, and this, this soldier's like, please don't kill me. I have kids at home. And he says, they were my kids, and that didn't stop me. <laughs> slice! <laughs> and he doesn't like, slice awesome. He doesn't slice edge. the guy's head off at the neck yeah. like you would think. He slices the top of his like skull cap 
off. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Cuts him, <laughs> cuts him like a like a Christmas ham, and then uh, and then the next, and then at a certain point, his arm starts to like boil, and he just rips off the skin in his arm, and whoops, there's a gun there. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Oops, forgot about my gun arm. Yeah. So also Coheed's Mega Man, and it rules. So that's an image twelve is him. He's just got a laser cannon on his arm, and it's the best. <laughs> It's like so the 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 for people that who can't see the image, it's Coheed saying the bridge. We have to stop this ship. Dot dot dot. And these fucks are in our way. <laughs> <laughs> just in case there's, you forgot how edgy things were I, in two thousand and three. I was just yeah. gonna say, there's so much edge in this. So much yeah. edge. Not edgy to mention Wars, the baby. fact that Coheed and Cambria are shredded. Yeah, right. Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely cut. One, one it, this is bare, like the arts. Okay, so I should know you too. The art style on, in this series is very sporadic because uh, I mentioned it kind of in the background, but the first two volumes of Second Stage Turbine Blade were created a long, long time ago. And actually, the, the Second Stage Turbine Blade, the, the album came out before the rest of the volumes came out. So Claudio had them written, but never got them published. So mm. for a long time, fans kind of like would piece, would piece together the songs and try to figure out what they were talking about. And it wasn't gotcha. actually until like mid two thousands when Claudio actually got a publishing deal and got the entire comic re-inked and, and republished. So a lot of these stories, nobody knew until like <laughs> years after the albums came out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy, and we're going to talk about it when we talk about the albums because again, they're very specific. Like they are not subtle. Some of them aren't. Um, anyway, also there's a lot of gratuitous butts because of course there is. This is 2003. Like, <laughs> yep. It's Rob Liefeld as fuck. So um, <laughs> we so how, while all this is happening, um, we uh, Jesse the Inferno is kind of is like tracking them in his in his spaceship. Um, because he's kind of like watching them. He knows that Wilhelm Ryan can trigger the Monstar virus at any point and set off in motion, yada, yada, yada. Um, so Coheed and Cambria are just rampaging through the ship. They make it to the bridge, and they try to hold up the crew from like moving on. But then they find out the ship's on autopilot, and they can't change course. Ah. So like, oh, dang. So uh, we flip back to Claudio. Um, I mentioned Claudio's just been running from the priests. Um, he realizes he needs to get off planet. He can't hide anywhere. Um, so he sneaks onto a garbage hauler, like a big old garbage space truck, and kind of has this like moment where he's like, I'll never see my family or my home again. Um, and then the first half of the book ends with Mariah, remember the leader of the resistance. She's preparing to lead her troops on an assault against House Atlantic, but is decimated in a surprise attack. Um, so it just it doesn't happen. So, volume two, the back half of Second Stage Turbine Blade, um, we cut back to the present day, which is, again, Jesse's telling the story in present day. He's talking about the children, and these children are being created as the ultimate weapon, not Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, so that'll come up later. Um, back in the story universe, uh, Jesse's radioing Mariah to tell her to get to Paris Earth. So this is kind of setting up everybody. The climactic end of Second Stage Turbine Blade is everybody on Paris Earth. Um, one more main character for a second stage. Uh, we've got image 13 is of Ambelina, which is our, our kind of our main priest uh, prize characters. Um, so Ambelina is, has been given the duty of finding and protecting the crowing. What's the crowing you asked? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't the think crowing. we actually asked, but yeah. <laughs> the, the crowing is our special boy, Claudio. 
That's uh, that's the title that the prophecy is given to our special boy. Because now he is Jesus and the crow. And the mm-hmm. crow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in order to, to be with the crowing or to protect the crowing, she has to have her hair and her wings burned off for some reason. I don't really know. But she does, and she does, and she leaves in search of Claudio, and uh, she's image 13. Back to Claudio. Um, Claudio's on this garbage ship, and he discovers that he's actually on a slaver ship. Whoop, headed, no. Yep. Uh-oh. <laughs> headed to a colony called Sea Revity. Um, which is a labor camp on the actual garbage planet Shilos 10. Um, what we find out is Ryan's army uses these like green aliens that they transport there for slave labor, and then they just throw the aliens into this reactor that powers House Atlantic. In case, oh. in case you weren't sure how evil the yep. mm-hmm. the Red Army and every everybody was, yeah, yeah. They, okay. they're just using. They're using people as power. So The Matrix also was a fun movie that came out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So while hiding out in this slave camp, Claudio meets a slave alien named Cecil, and uh, the two develop a nice little friendship. Um, Uh Meanwhile, uh, Coed and Cambria are, while they're on their ship, kind of, you know, headed for Paris Earth, they're joined, eventually joined by Jesse, who is, again, helping them try to get the ship away from Paris Earth. Um, but the three of them are stopped by Admiral Vilar Krom, who replaces Mayo as Ryan's second-in-command, and he is image 14. And he's basically robot <laughs> Boba Fett. Yeah, he's got some yeah. uh, some Meta Knight helmet vibes there. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So this guy replaces Mayo? Yeah, because Mayo fucked up and, and didn't get Claudio because oh, Claudio escaped. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got so is, it. Yeah. is Mayo dead now or is he He's not. He got demoted. He's and, spun uh, off and, and he's gets gonna his do own a star screams. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's Starscream. Mayo Defton Wolf is absolutely Starscream. Got it. Um so the three of them, Coheed, Cambria, and Jesse, the KBI are reunited and they fight back against Admiral Crumb but unfortunately aren't able to beat him, and Jesse is impaled in the back with a steel pipe and super dies, except he doesn't. Because why would he? Yeah. It's yeah. just a pipe. Um, Rub right. some dirt on it. It'll be fine. Um, while all this is happening, we have Ambelina trying to find Claudio. Um, she runs into Nuo, which is Claudio's high school girlfriend. Nuo's being chased down one of the priests by one of the priests. Patrick's always already dead at this point. Um but Ambelina saves Nuo because she's a woman and she needs saving because that's what this is. This is a very misogynist book. And, uh, and, learns, and we learn that, or sorry, Ambelina learns that Claudio escaped the planet because he's on that trash compactor thing. Um, back on the ship, Crom takes the captive Coheed and Cambria the rest of the way to Paris, colon Earth to meet up with Wilhelm Ryan. So we're setting up the big climax on Paris Earth. The prize arrive and are attempting to evacuate the citizens because I think this is Earth. I think that's the idea. Um, Mariah also shows up with uh, with the remaining resistance and tries to assassinate Mayo, but fails, and Mayo cuts off her head in a very, oh, like, yeah, and, like, holds it up as a trophy yeah. and then takes it. And then what Mayo does is take Mariah's head to Wilhelm Ryan, and that's what reinstates him as the general. Ah. So that's a thing that happens. Okay. Um, so that's what Maya's doing. Um, so we start to see Wilhelm Ryan's big plan come start to come into fruition. So you mentioned, you remember I mentioned the flies before. You guys remember the flies, right? I'm sure you do. Yeah, what? the flies. <laughs> the flies will eat something, right? Yeah. Destroy yeah. Sector something? Twelve. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what yeah. it was. Uh. Um, so Cohen and Cambria are being held on these chairs with like 
big metal prongs holding their eyes open, like uh, in Clockwork Orange. Yep. Mm-hmm. You ever see yep. that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan then releases thousands of these genetically engineered dragonflies um, with this virus that I cannot remember the name. It's like Cash Virus or Clash Virus, something like that. doesn't matter. Um, so the dragonflies are released, and one bites Coheed and Cambria. Coheed's eyes start to glow red as the dragonflies trigger the Monstar virus within him, and Coheed fucking hulks out, and that's image 15. Kind of like okay. that uh, bee scene in The Wicker Man. Yeah, a little bit, but like super rad. So again, this is like, the, I don't think the second stage Turbine Blade is a very good comic. I will reiterate, but there are points where I was like, "Yeah, man, yeah, this is cool." This is this was another one where like he turns into like full on abomination and just goes fucking nuts. It's it's a comic where you have to like buy into a lot. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sounds like, yeah. but once you buy into all of it, you, yeah, it's fun. It, it's rad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Um. But it's not just Coheed that's transforming. So we talked a lot about the Monstar virus, but what they didn't know is that Cambria also has a virus. It's not named. But she is turned into this character called the White Ruineer. And she's on image 16. Yeah. And it's basically, she just gets like full like iron armor. Yep. And kind of like turns into like, I don't know... I don't even know like what the like closest like Marvel allegory to uh, that. I would say like that Silver she is, Samurai is what okay, I was, where my yeah. my mind went. Leaving Marvel altogether, it's like uh, it's like female Shredder with yeah, like okay. Infinity Gems embedded in. Uh-huh, yeah, sure, uh-huh. that's that's fair. Um, so basically, like White Ruineer is destined to be the key that unlocks the lock that is Monstar. So she's the one that's that the only thing that can stop Monstar, basically. I, I am the key I am the gatekeeper. Are you the key uh-huh. master? There it is. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I was thinking I, I in my head I went, um going back to the near episode, she's like the Emil. Like uh if you guys remember the backstory with Emil, the, the little guy with the head. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um that was, that was just that for was you. For me. That was just for All you. All right, fine. So they transform, and uh, also uh, Monstar slash Kohi just like rips apart Admiral Krom, <laughs> like tears him to shreds. Um, Kohi just like again hulks out, and he just leaps off into the sky, like just just, and then Cambia uh, Cambria follows closely behind. So they just leave, like leave the atmosphere, um, and the while the pre the prize are fighting back the Red Army still. So again, we're on Earth. Like we're like Earth S Earth. The prize are trying to like keep the the citizens safe, but like fighting mm-hmm. back the Red Army, whatever. Um, so we we cut back to Claudio in the save in the slave camp. He has his first hero moment when he intervenes when a guard's assaulting another slave, um, as you do as you know he's doing chosen boy things. Um, this of course grabs the attention of the Constantine priest who's tracking him. Because, of mm. course, it does. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the priest later then attacks him in the camp. Claudio is able to fend him off with his special boy powers. But Cecil is like, you got to go. You're too dangerous. Right? Because he's just like, he's, he's always hot. Like, he's bringing all this, all yeah. this, all this yeah. craziness with him. So, he, so Claudio leaves. And he's like, oh, man, I don't belong anywhere. I'm special boy. <laughs> so um, back to Coheed. Coheed lands on the surface of Star 7. It's just called Star 7. That's fine. And he's just like, just like hulking out, right? Um, This strange vapor starts like emanating from his body. Um, That vapor is starts to choke the star of all its energy and basically cools the star down. 
um, and then completely severs its <clears throat> connection to the keywork. Oh, remember the keywork? This is like the the, the yeah. energy that holds our all big, our yeah, framing yeah, yeah. device. Yeah. Yep. So this starts a chain reaction that takes down eventually the entire keywork, and and that is like again, it's just, it sounds silly, but like this is how like this they don't use gravity. Like the keywork holds all the planets together. Mm. So like if oh. if the keywork is gone, all the planets are going to start colliding into each other because there's seventy eight fucking planets in a yeah. line. Yeah. So like yeah. they need the keywork to live to live. So. That was Wilhelm Ryan's like big plan was just to like destroy the keyword, you know, chaos, whatever. So you said it dis- it. Let me find it here. It eventually mm-hmm. destroys the keyword. Yeah, it's like like a chain reaction. Does it this happen? Takes down the keyword. Does this happen like now, or are the actions now in movement? And like the as the story plays out, they're racing against the, the keywork falling apart. Good question. The keywork is down in the okay. story. So that yeah. th- that just happens, and then that, that just happens. And from here on, we're dealing with the yep. keywork going down entirely. Correct. Got it. So in image seventeen is Cambria arriving on Star Seven, and basically like using her powers to pull a sword from her chest, like manufacture a sword from her chest, and Hell the two yeah. have a, yeah, and the two have a real sick anime battle. Nice. Yeah, and it's awesome. Um, Cambria is able to kind of like stun Coheed as Monstar, and then just like Kali Ma reaches into his heart <laughs> and like and like strangles the Monstar virus because she can do that, um, sure. which which like starts to revert him back to normal, and then she's still like of sound mind, so she stabs herself with the with the, her own sword, and the two die in each other's arms, and it's like very poetic, um, but. As she dies, the power that, like, the immense power within her releases uh, this, like, massive cosmic energy that reignites the star and creates, like, a whole new thing in its place. And that's image 18. Cool. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it's rad. Okay. Um, So that happens. Back on Earth. The prize are, again, the prize are fighting the Red Army. The prize are not intended, like, the prize are very much like angels, right? Like, they are not humans. They're not bound by our rules. They're not bound by our laws, whatever. They don't really give a crap what happens to humans. They just are protecting the keywork and the frame. So when the keywork goes down, the prize are like, fuck. They, and they, they all just leave. peace out. Okay. They all just leave. But this basically abandons, like, the entire colony. Um the prize then collect together in space and harness their kingdom hearts friendship energy to repower <laughs> <laughs> to uh, repower the keywork and then they all like explode into dust so the prize have successfully reignited the keywork and that's restored but the keywork still lost nine planets that fell off which is the entirety of sector 12 um, those nine planets then get pulled away and orbit around a new sun, creating a new solar oh, system. No. Ever heard of it? No. So, huh. it's, so it's like Christianity slammed into Scientology, and then and then we got a prog band out of it. So image just nineteen created, shows <laughs> we just yep. we just we just prog rocked our way through a big bang is what yep. we did. So image yeah. nineteen shows how our solar system was created, and everybody unilaterally believes it. <laughs> huh. Great. I so okay. I, I realize we're not we're not done yet. Um, if you would have said, "Hey Todd, Coed and Cambria, right? There's some graphic novels that go along with their CDs. You want to guess what they're about?" And you would have said, take 300 guesses. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have got mm-hmm. there. Todd wouldn't have landed on the Big Bang, but in a really weird way. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So the epilogue of super uh, secret, Jesus, the epilogue of of second stage turbine blade is uh, Jesse is now present day. So six years later, Jesse is a box fight a boxer known as Prize Fighter Inferno. For no. some reason, <laughs> um, two and, big thumbs down on Prize Fighter. Yep. Um, so also, bad. Prize Fighter Inferno is the name of a solo project that Claudio Sanchez released in two thousand six. Yep. Yep. There it <laughs> is. Um, so Jesse squares off against a, survi- a surviving prize that informs him that she is waiting for the crowing to come and save the keyword. This is Amber. This is Ambelina. Um, Claudio, meanwhile, has grown up because we have a time skip and is now a very haggard man um, hiding down in the sewers of Shiloh's Ten. So he just lives on this planet and is a homeless person. With Andrew glasses does- and a beard to show that time has passed. <laughs> no glasses. He can't afford that. Andrew, does Claudio look like a younger, more sexy version of Claudio <laughs> from Coheed and Cambria. I would like to hold your question until we get to <laughs> In Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about the album. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go track by track in the album, and then I'm going to call um, whatever the official, like the, the most not subtle references are um, because basically the idea is these albums do run alongside the story of the comics. But again, it's a concept album. So some are more subtle than others. Some would be like a monologue for a, sp- a particular character or some, or what some songs might be showing like an entire like swath of time. Right. So it just, it just depends. So we'll, we'll go track by track. Um, second stage turbine blame the album. So this is again, reminder, this is the punk rock album. This is their first studio album. The and for the for being their first album, it's wild that the first track, which is called Second Stage Turbine Blade, is just an instrumental track. What a bold move! That was it's a, a bold thing. move. That was a yeah. thing at the time, it was, though. It was a like, thing. Mm-hmm. It's the overture. Yeah. It's the overture of the play. Like I get it. It's fine. Yeah, um, it's just so like because you had the and this was what two th- intro two, with two, intro two. two was a yeah yeah. But just to to see a band in two thousand and two put out a so not radio friendly album yeah. is it's all i mean like anytime a new band puts out a uh album and is like hey we're just tr- not trying to be commercially successful it's yeah. interesting but especially it, in 2002 it's a hard sell to be a concept only band mm-hmm. yeah um interesting easter egg so this is just instrumental um but there is there is this kind of um and uh, I will try to find the melody that gets played and we'll hopefully be able to insert it here a little bit, but there is this repetitive or this um, reappearing melody that shows up on multiple albums. And a lot of fans assume or think that it relates to the passage of time, basically. Okay. Uh, That's which again, cool. like, yeah, it, it is super cool. Yeah. Um, there's an interesting Easter egg here. So remember I talked about the black, the year of the black rainbow, which is a prequel. So the Year of the Black Rainbow's last track actually bleeds right into this track, which is kind of cool because oh, it's a prequel to this. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So the first like real track of the album is called Time Consumer. That's track two in this album. This is about the child murder. So again, like <laughs> first concept album, first track's instrumental, second track's about child murder. Here you go, record label. <laughs> like it's a bold move. Um so this is Coheed's inner monologue about having to murder his children. Um, some of the lines in the chorus, Maria, my star, Matthew, good night. You know, you know by law you'll be forgiven. And uh, he actually says that in the comic, Maria, my star, good night, Matthew. Oh. Um, and this hmm. is what Coheed's telling himself when he's holding his dead children. Um, 
the third track is called Devil in Jersey City. This is recounting the Josephine and Patrick driving through Jersey City. City, excuse me, and we are not going to talk about it because it sucks and it's unnecessary. <laughs> It's a good. I mean, it's it's a it's a good song. It sounds good, but again, like this is their punk album, and it's 2002. Just like it just not, it doesn't age well. It's Ed, not cool. Edgy it's for not, the it's sake not of edgy. Being edgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fuck you for for having a song like that or having a story like that. Um, Everything evil uh, is is a really good track. So this is the flip when Coheed and Cambria both realize they've been tricked by Mayo to kill their kids because again that was like did take a lot of convincing. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a line that says evolve monstar show me the things that I've never wanted done is Coheed unlocking his memories yeah, um, yeah. and and the in this because again this is like a punk album so you hear it's like screaming like evolve and then Claudio says monstar show me the things I never wanted done um a, uh, we're gonna do a lot of these um there's a couple a couple other lines here a series of knocks to the young girl's head side come write me a letter and pat and paste it on my refrigerator door. Inspected inspector, I think we found something over here. This is a scene when the police are investigating the Kilgannis mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Um, would you run? Would you run? Would you run down past the fence? Um, and she screamed, Claudio, dear Claudio. Now, this is there's a lot of the Coheed songs. Matt will remember this from the show, but there are a lot of songs in Coheed so- albums that are call and responses. Yeah. Um, and, and these like their shows are always like very audience participation. So this is the first like repetitive call and response. So um, Claudio, the singer goes, Claudio, oh, dear Claudio, oh, um, it is amazing that Claudio Sanchez wrote, wrote a call and response <laughs> I, into I was gonna say this. using his own fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this paints a pretty vivid picture as to. The Post Malone opening, where if there's not a lot of people <laughs> yeah. in the audience that like know your songs yep. and you're relying on color and response, you're gonna have a bad mm-hmm. time. You're gonna have a bad, gonna have yeah. bad time. Yeah, that's why. I mean, that's why you only do sh- you don't do festivals if you if you don't if you can't guarantee the audience. That's why you don't open Post Malone? Amongst that's a, I mean, that's, other that's a reasons. management problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, Delirium Trigger was a re- a one the original name of the EP of the EP. Um, Delirium Trigger is the rampage. So that's when Coheed rips off oh. his skin and reveals a mm-hmm. gun arm. Um, <laughs> but the the song is like very sinister. It's actually from the vantage point of the Red Army Guards. So the first line, we're, we're now up here alone. Terror on the intercom. Can someone save us? Hmm. Systems malfunction. Blast it, this damn machine. Over and out, Captain. <laughs> Pretty cool. Huh. Do, do they mention the gun arm? They don't. Okay. They don't. It's a really um, similar lyric to the beginning of Major Tom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, different vibe, but yeah. Yeah. This this suddenly reminds me a lot of Deer Hunter, but different. Hey, so, like, so that's really interesting. I was yeah. just looking at um the the label that released this album because mm-hmm. I was really curious who did it, and it's Equal Visions Records, who the Deer Hunter is currently signed to. There you go, Todd. Anyway, I think what they, were you saying? I think it, they toured together at one point too. That would they, not surprise they come up, me. They come up a lot in bills with uh, Circus Survive when I play them on Spotify playlists or, because uh, or artist playlists. The entire like the most well known stuff from the Deer Hunters is like the Axe trilogy or not even trilogy. Mm-hmm. There's like five or six of them now. And gotcha. at one point they do. I mean, there's multiple songs from multiple perspectives, but one of them is like a song from the perspective of the big bad. And it's like funny because like the big bad is painting the protagonist as the mm-hmm. bad guy, and it's yeah. really really well done. And this is it's cool. I've suddenly this is, got this, this tie together. Less. This is less. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for fifty dollars, I'll talk to you about the deer hunter. Yeah, fair. Um, Here shot kid disaster is the next track. <clears throat> 
Um, the Hearshot Kid is a really weird reference. It's only mentioned once, and it's when Claudio is on the uh, who is referencing an event that happens when Claudio is on the slaver ship. Um, so he he's kind of like walking around the the um, cargo hold, and he finds a star, which is what is the racist term for these green alien slaves. And uh, he kind of uses his special boy Inviso powers to free the the alien, upon which the alien screams and attacks him and then just, like, runs away. And and that just happens, and, like, there's no follow-up. It's just, like, that was weird. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, like, three hours later, three hours of real time later, um, we're in the labor camp, and Cecil is recounting some guy, is this guy is, like, some hero throughout the other slaves, and they call him the Hearshot Kid for some reason. Okay. So he's like a hero because he ran away. I don't know. Um, what, but it's just kind of fun. So the song starts with Claudio Sanchez screaming into the mic to call back that freeing of the alien, which is like fun. Um, so this song, so Kyle, you asked earlier, like, or Matt, I think it was like, what of Delirium Trigger exists now? Yeah. A lot of the old songs are on this. And, and remember, too, the story wasn't entirely fleshed out and it was also kind of different. Bag Online Adventures was a lot different than Amory Wars ended up being. So some of these songs in this album don't line up anymore. Um, case in point, there's a line that says, still searching for your faith in the arm that killed the president. Um, uh, Wilhelm Ryan was originally supposed to be the president and not the Supreme Trimage. Huh. Um, interesting. This is the song with the amazing call and response line, I need mayo. I won't fail you now. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is, is Mayo and Wilhelm. Really amazing. It really that they is. put that together when mm-hmm. not that many people must have read the book at this point. Yeah. What the fuck does I need mayo mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's absolutely wild. Um, the next track, 33. That song's all about Patrick for some reason. Claudio Sanchez loves Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> he feels like I read. I read a thing where like Claudio Sanchez feels like Patrick got the short end of the stick. And it's like he drove his girlfriend in a bad area, got her sexually assaulted, and then was just like, "Oh, it's fine." And then he got murdered like a scrub. Like Patrick's <laughs> fine. He got his due. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. need it anymore. So Claudio actually released like an entire side comic asking the question nobody asked: What was Patrick doing during all this? What's Patrick up to? I, um, I more more than I want <laughs> at this point, more than I want to like listen to these albums or read the comic, I want to find like archived forums of people trying to <laughs> decipher this because yeah. this is buck yep. wild. It's that, insane. Like if 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 you found the album without the comic or or vice versa, it's just it's nuts. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, it's prog rock. So, it is. you know, I've been, yeah. like I said, I've been listening to these albums. Like, I know every word to a lot of these songs. And, and it wasn't until three days ago when I even knew, like, what the <laughs> fuck they were talking about. I've listened to the song The Crowing on Secret Steinler. I've, I've been singing that song out loud for years. And, and I did not know the words were Dear Ambelina, the prize wishes you to watch over me. Like if if you I didn't that was just it's just nonsense you know what I mean like it's just it's just words like it just sounds good and that's why like this is like my favorite band because it does the words don't matter it's just like good music you know but they do matter I, well they do I matter yeah. yeah I'm I'm with I'm kind of with Kyle here at this point like looking back with you know 2021 eyes on content made in like 2002 it's, it's like oh I see all this problematic stuff that yeah. 
you know, was probably in 2002 looked at within the context of like, oh, well, that's just what that is. And I'm wondering if like, what's Claudio's take nowadays? Is Claudio still the same person? Like, to, to be fair, they don't play this music anymore. Okay. Like this, this album does not get, doesn't see the light of day. He hates most of these songs. He does not play them. Fair. I think the only one that they've I've heard played live is uh, Everything Evil. Okay. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and sure, protect yeah. and, and and defend him. But for what it's worth, they don't play these songs anymore, and that's why. At very least, it seems they've moved past this. Yeah. If they exactly. haven't come out and straight yeah. up apologized, they have at least. It's it's edgy misogyny. Them. Yeah. Well, and and again, like looking at 2002, like we are almost firmly in the like Daniel Tosh rape joke era. Yep. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. like yeah. that was mainstream humor yep. that you know. <laughs> That, like, problematic men were like, ha, 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 this is great. And then the rest of society informed us, and we all caught on eventually that it was not good at all. So I guess I'm not going to, like, critique or defend, just, like, acknowledge yeah. that it was not good. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's all you can do. Um, let, I'm going to quickly sure, sure, sure. go through these last couple ones here. Um, so we've got June Song Provision. Um, this is Second Stage's version of One Day More, like from Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> we need to check in with all the main characters where they are. So this is everyone heading to Paris Earth. Um, there's a line, Dear, dear Nuo Ikin, how's Apollo been treating you? Has he been a good boy since the day I left? Give him my love and a sweet kiss for his head because I won't be coming home. When you get this, I'll be dead. So that is part of Claudio's goodbye letter that he wrote to his girlfriend, Nuo. And Apollo is her dog, which is the Apollo and good Apollo and Burning Star for. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. And that's the framing (laughs) device for the next episode. Um, Also, June Song is a nickname that Coheed calls Josephine by once. So... uh, um, Neverender, uh, the second to last track, is just another mo- monologue by Claudio. Um, in Graver Mistakes, Dear Mom and Dad, I write you in this letter that states, scratch through, I'll be moving on. When the new day's begun, forget your son and when he's out on his own. Um, scholars of Amory Wars say that this is recounting. <laughs> <laughs> um, they say that this is recounting the Battle of Coheed and Cambria as the Monstar and White Ruiner. I don't. I can't make heads or tails of this one. And then uh, <laughs> the last song, "God Send Conspirator." This is the ending of Second Stage Turbine Blade, which is of course told by Jess- from Jesse's perspective. Um, there's a line he's reflecting on Mariah's death. Dear Mariah, the world's not big enough for the both of us when we live in the same town as well. Fight on fire in parentheses. Fight on fire. Burn my hands till I got nothing left to count my numbers on. Um, and in the original album, there was actually a hidden track called I Robot. Not I Robot. I Robot. I Robot is, is the whole kind of deal with the next album story, um, which we're going to get into. But that was like the big foreshadowing for In Keeping Secrets. Um, so that was the first hidden track. There is a, there's a hidden track on a couple of the albums, as far as I know. Um, but iRobot is, is important. We'll talk about uh, here in a bit. And then the song on God Send Conspirator ends with the same passage of time outro medley, med- melody to, again, signify the time jump between Second Stage Turbine Blade and In Keeping Secrets. Okay, so that is Second Stage Turbine Blade. Questions, feelings, thoughts, how we doing? I'll, I'll say it now so I don't have to remember to say it later. It... And this is kind of an open question, but also a question to you, Andrew Henderson, the person telling us this story. 
obviously there were a lot of lyrics that don't make any sense. Correct. Much like you said. How does you, the listener, <laughs> listen to this album for years and years and years and not wonder? <laughs> I. This isn't like Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like deliberately nonsense. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's hard to explain. I. I I am the kind of person, like, I don't really listen to lyrics a lot. Like, I, I listen sure. to mostly instrumental stuff. Like, I like game music and things, and I listen to fucking soundtracks. So, mm-hmm. I like really instrumental stuff, and, and I don't really love, like, I like melodies, and I like vocals, but I don't really care about lyrics. So, that's why, like, I've always kind of resonated with this band, because, like, I don't really give a fuck what they're saying. Like, it's <laughs> just sure. words, you know? Um, I've always, like because they're kind of not subtle and again like i don't love this album i love in keeping secrets which is a lot more subtle um i i always knew like the beginning of this story like i knew what monstar was i knew what who the characters were i just didn't really care um but i I just like always made my own little stories about like favorite house atlantic we'll talk about it like it's just like a fun story and you can kind of like i don't know it's kind of like listening to shakespeare you know what i mean like this is not good this is bad this is not shakespeare but it's like listening to shakespeare where like you hear the words and you kind of like it doesn't really matter what they're saying you kind of like get your make your own gist in your head map your own things onto it kind of i mean and and let me that was and that was that's me asking not a judgmental question but like an actual like like I'm, i'm inquiring and I mean, to, to yeah. ground myself here, like, I thought it was a Flavor House Atlantic until an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. ago. So, yeah, it, it, it didn't change your enjoyment of it, right? It was, no. it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, I only yeah. know the chorus. I thought it was Armory Wars until two days ago. So, there you go. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, yeah. Problematic content aside, out of yeah. 10, what do you rate this album? Uh, six and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's got some good punk stuff, um, but it's not prog rock. It's it's very different from yeah. the rest of their stuff. It's pretty missable. Uh, I would say everything evil is a good track. Um, Delirium Trigger is inter- there's some interesting stuff. I wish Devil in Jersey City was not based on the story it is because from a song standpoint, it's pretty good. Um, Time Consumer is okay. The rest of it's forgettable. Okay. Yeah. Delirium Trigger is a phenomenal name. Like, it's a that's great an name. excellent mm-hmm. track name. Such a good name. Um, great name. Great name. Just to double back real quick. I want to defend listening to music with absurd lyrics because Rush has been a band for a long time. Exactly. And I was sitting here mm-hmm. trying to think, because like you said that, Todd, and I was like, I mean, that's a valid point, but I know a lot of other bands that do that. What's the first band I can track it onto? And like Rush. I yep. mean, 2112 sure. in itself is mostly nonsense with yeah. the word guitar in there a couple of times. So. Today's Tom Sawyer. He gets high on you. Like, who cares? That's yeah. <laughs> but even yeah, like, I watched a, a documentary the other day about pop music and uh, they were like, I want it that way. What does that mean? You want what what way? Like it's yeah. lyrics it's, don't matter. It's, um, it's probably an allegory to sex, but also it might not be. Who's there, to say? There's a famous interview um, with Neil Young years ago when uh, they, somebody was asking Neil Young about Cinnamon Girl. Um, hey, you're my Cinnamon Girl. And uh, they're asking like, who's this about? Like trying to, you know, is, is this like a lost love or what? He's like, it rhymed. Yeah. Oh, especially <laughs> knowing Neil Young. He's like, who cares? Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah um all right awesome well with that we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come when we come back we're going to cover in keeping secrets of silent earth colon three stay with us hi i'm eric i'm amanda and we are house breakfast your new favorite twitch stream that you should definitely be following 
Here's the thing. Uh, you can eat breakfast anytime, and we want everybody to know that. And you can also play video games in a low-stakes, fun way with a really wholesome chat every Tuesday and Saturday. We're partners in life, love, and podcasting, and that now includes streaming because everyone needs to learn how to stream in 2021. But playing games that we played on our N64 and PlayStation 2 and GameCube is soothing and I think the one thing that might make all of this just kind of slightly better. We really like Pokemon and Mario. You're just going to have to deal with that. So find us at twitch.tv slash housebreakfast. And follow us on Twitter at housebreakfast underscore. House breakfast, because you can eat breakfast anytime. <laughs> that was really, I like that. Was I really like good. that too. Good job. Good. good job. All right, welcome back. It is now time to talk about the second album slash novel uh, in Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Um, before we get into it, I just want to say this one is a lot better i enjoyed it way more than second stage turbine blade it's not smarter <laughs> let me be very clear <laughs> but it but it is it is just like all the right fun and dumb so. remind me was this also written before any of the albums were i don't know what the timeline is for the rest of these okay um, to be honest with you i think because a lot of the title a lot of the names of the songs are named after things but again like it's hard it's hard to say i know for a fact that that second stage turbine blade was like the pitch for the yes. band yeah i do not know the timeline for the rest okay. of the stuff i assume that it was but it's hard to say um okay so just like second stage turbine blade was narrated by inferno in a flashback and keeping secrets is narrated by claudio in some undisclosed time in the near future, um, with Claudio sitting outside of his ex-girlfriend's Nuo's house, telling the story of the events of this book to her dog, Apollo. Okay, So that's the framing device. So every once in a while, we'll come back with Claudio kind of just being like, and, and Apollo, you'll never believe what happened next. <laughs> um, it's like, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, fuck it, I don't remember the movie. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, the Princess uh, so Bride. It's, yeah, yeah, god yeah. damn it. Thank uh, it's, you. It's how I met your mother, is what meant. All I could think of was the Princess Diaries, and I was like, that's what? not Anne Hathaway, it's the other one. The reason I brought up The Witcher before is all the Witcher books do this, and, and they all do it in a different narrative framing device. Um, I don't love that because it's like really confusing and disorienting and kind of unnecessary. Yeah. But people like it. Um, it's, so It's easy. It's easy, and it like it's like the big surprise ending because everything ties together at the yeah. end. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have a time skip. A time skip. Like every good anime, there is a time skip. Um, so it's been 10 years since the end of Turbine Blade. Um, Claudio is haunted by the ghost of his father, Koheed, who is you know very much in like a Lion King Mufasa thing. He's his his father is embodying like all the hate that he feels toward his father for what he did. And then the guilt he feels for himself for running away from everything, from his life, from the destiny that was thrust on him, blah, blah, blah. Um, I should I should be clear. He kind of knows that he's like a special boy, but he doesn't really know. He doesn't know extent. how special of a special boy he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and his in Coheed, like one of the framing devices is Claudio is constantly yelling at, at the apparition of his father. And it's actually like kind of cool. Like that's probably okay. the best written stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like some clearly like some daddy issues here, which is like, <laughs> all right, I'll fuck with daddy issues. Let's, let's go. Um, 
and and a lot of it is like Coheed's like you can't run away from who you're supposed to be and it's like it's not it's not intended to be like overtly like you're the special boy the chosen one but it's like just like coming to terms with like being an adult and like being who you want to be versus like who you're supposed to be or whatever like that kind of stuff so it's it's fine it's decent um we we start with inferno you guys remember inferno machete Um, machete Mm -hmm. machete um he is on his ship called the grail arbor and uh, we see his major plan. So we talked a little bit. You got some foreshadowing of the iRobots and the children. So he has commissioned scientists to use his DNA to clone more iRobots. They age quickly or whatever. Let me explain what an iRobot is. An iRobot is what Coheed and Cambria and, Infer- and Jesse are. Oh, they are okay. They are Weapon X, basically. Gotcha. They don't tell. They don't outright say that because I think like they wanted to make it a big reveal or whatever. They don't use the term iRobot until that hidden track. Mm-hmm. But that's what they are. So so Jesse's using his DNA as an as an iRobot, and and that's why Claudio has special boy powers because I, it's implied that he is too. Because Coheed and Cambria can't like have children. They're you know they're test tube babies. Oh, gotcha. So they're mm-hmm. the children were also manufactured and. That I, whole setup I, was like implanted memories. They don't. They don't outright say that. They show you that Josephine was manufactured. They don't outright say that Claudio was also. Um, it, but uh, it but matter. the one would imply the other. The I one would imply the yeah, other. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So um, they were a reminder. They were all created by this man named Doctor Leonard Hohenberger, and the prequel Year of the Black Rainbow is all about this. So. Okay. Great. Um. So anyway, back in present day, the scientists keep referring to them as Inferno's children, but Inferno wants nothing to do with that. Um, image twenty is him looking at the like the baby iRobots, and it basically like the pan the whole like side story with Inferno is like, they're your children. This is your son, your daughter. He's like, no, these are these are science experiments. Blah blah blah. Even though like he's the one that ordered this, like whatever. Um, <laughs> fine. Um, there's something. There's some weird thing about like they age really quickly. So. Six years after Second Stage Turbine Blade, they start the development of the iRobots. Ten years after is where we are at in the story, and they are fully grown, quote-unquote, because they age rapidly. Sure. Sure. Um, there are really only two iRobots you need to worry about. Um, it's This is setting up for one of the most important ones. There's something where like they're having a conversation, and, and they say, Inferno... Something, something. They will age rapidly, and he looks at the baby. He says, "Don't let them. Don't let this one age rapidly." And the scientist says, "Well, it's too late. Her brain will already develop." And then he says, "Don't let her body go with it." So basically, what he is, he has sentenced this person to have a adult's brain in the body of a child, which like kind of sucks. Like, fuck you, Inferno. Yeah. Well, the Mm. body's still going to age rapidly, but like not as much. So whatever. Okay. Mm. Um. Um. Yeah. Is that that's not what like Jesse's girl two is about? It's is not. It? No, no. Okay. Oh god, All right. that <laughs> cool. would be wild. That would be so cool. That's that would be not, insane. No, that is that is not part of the Amory Wars storyline. Got it. Okay, non-canon. Non-canon. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, that's, that's your... the, the agents of Shield of, of exactly. the Cody and Cambria <laughs> universe, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, it's good to note there are some last surviving pr- prize left. I keep wanting to say prize, but it's P R I S E. It's prize, and I know it's prize because Claudio says prize in one of his songs, so it's prize, and it's like prize fighting, you know. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so, mm-hmm. um, Inferno. So the prize are still around, and the, the last couple ones are are on board the Grail Arbor. Okay. So we cut back to Claudio in the story time canon. Uh, he's not doing great. When we last left Cla- Claudio, he was living in the sewers. So basically, on garbage like, planet on, sl- on gar- garbage on planet slave garbage yeah. on garbage slave planet. Yeah. Yep. On on planet garbage, Shiloh's ten. Um, he's like basically just a drifter. He lives below, below the sewers in this in this city called Goddard Dam. <laughs> Good. Huh. Um, oh, I hate is, that so much. <laughs> which is a dystopia ass dystopia city. Um, he's he scours the waterways to find dead bodies to pickpocket. Until one day, when he, it's he comes every, across... It's every D&D rogue's tragic <laughs> backstory. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, one day, he comes across an abusive father yelling at his child. Um, so Claudio intervenes like because he can't help himself, uh, much like he did in the slave camp, and uses his powers to put the fear of God into the man in image 21. Hey, guys, who does Claudio look like? Yeah, he looks like I white Jesus. Just... So, <laughs> so I'll go even further that if you... To, to throw this one to Matt, if you've read any of the Walking Dead graphic novels, mm-hmm. there's a character named Jesus mm-hmm. who got the nickname because he looks like Jesus. Yep. And this man looks like Jesus who's named Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I followed that thread, and yeah. Todd is correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so remember last time when he did this on the slave camp, that attracted the, the attention of the priest. This does that again. So we have a new Constantine priest who looks like... Kind of like two legs with a vagina with a mouth. Great. Oh. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, it's very like a Bloodborne monster. Um, but also this time, Ambelina is also tailing him. So Ambelina, you guys remember, is the priest who burned off her wings. She's mm-hmm. been kind of searching for Claudio all these years. She ended up fighting against uh, Inferno in that boxing match. Well, she's ended up on Shiloh's 10, and she's tracking Claudio as well. So that will that will be important later. Um we haven't seen Wil- Wilhelm and Mayo are doing in a while, so uh, let's check in with them real quick. Um, Wilhelm is, is still being he's still being Thanos. Um, he is actually this book. He is his later. He's going to have his full transformation into Thanos, which I'm very excited for. Um, so Wilhelm is searching for the last remaining prize. the The prize are basically like the last thing that can threaten his power, um, with the exception of the special boy Claudio. Right. Um, so they are following a lead on a some like magic some like you know lucky surge of keywork energy found on the storm planet Donar. It's a storm planet. It's a planet of storms. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, so we cut back to Inferno on the Grail Arbor. We meet our two primary Irobots. We've got Image Twenty Two and Image Twenty Three, Sizer and Chase. Um, Sizer, it looks like Flash Thompson. <laughs> And uh, he's he's like he's like the hot his hair is red so you know he's a hothead you know yeah right um, and he just wants to be loved he just wants to have a dad and he just wants his, his dad to say <laughs> he just wants his dad to say I love you and uh, and then we have Chase who's the little girl who's got the adult brain in the child's body she's our special girl so we've got our special boy Claudio our special girl Chase okay um. We meet another new character in Goddard Dam who's kind of like, he's just kind of around, um, kind of a, uh, 
a Jar Jar Binks character, if you will. Oh, no. You know what? Oh. I, I was wondering what this story needed, and I thought long and hard to myself, mm-hmm. and it's definitely a Jar Jar Binks character. <laughs> yeah. Um, image 24. This is Al. This guy is bananas. That's not <laughs> what I thought the Jar Jar Binks character was going to be. Al is a psychopath. Really? Well, he's a, he is Jar Jar Binks in edgy Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> So he, so he's got. I can't a, draw the line. I don't know what Jar Jar Binks in edgy Star Wars is supposed to be. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he's got know. like exposed brain. Yeah. Uh huh. And in a in a porthole in, in a porthole in his <laughs> yeah. forehead. Like he could he could cover it if he just take like you know the the pop tab that comes off of like a, a gallon of milk. He could just like press that right back on there. He's he got needs like a, a, he needs a forehead stoma. He's got like a trihawk. <laughs> Uh, that lines gonna... up with his tattoos. Mm-hmm. Which do you think came first? I'm gonna guess the mohawk and then the tattoos. So we we haven't seen our like rampant misogyny yet. So this is this is our our rampant misogyny. So um, Al oh. is introduced as this kind of like wife beating piece of shit, and uh, and then he like he's just kind of like wandering around the streets, and he's like, "What's that guy doing?" Like he's like, "It's like that kind of thing." Oh my God. Yeah, it's 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 not great, um, but you know we'll we'll he comes in he comes in a uh, relevance later. Um, anyway, so uh, Mayo and the Red Army arrive in Donar, and they're searching for the prize. Um, so there's this whole thing about there's this like legend in Donar of the the dragon in the air, something about like it's like a storm dragon, like a very Legend of Zelda storm dragon thing. Sure. Where like yep. the the planet Donar was not always a storm planet, even though that's its name. Um, before before Ryan's Mage Wars, remember that's the the series of events that led to Wilhelm Ryan taking control. Um, he attacked this planet, and everyone was forced to leave, but but save for one citizen who 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 uh, stubbornly resolved to stay. And something like the gods. Uh, a god. This again. This is like very much like the Christian god. Like there is one god. This is monotheistic. Um, god gave like when this person died. God allowed this person to be reborn as a dragon to protect the the planet or something. I remember that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're 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 telling us this like very awesome exposition as they as they find they search for the Grail Arbor. And uh, there's this like massive tsunami, and the ship is, and all one of the ships is swallowed up by the water, and it gets dragged to the bottom of the ocean floor, where it comes face to face with, you guessed it, the Grail Arbor, ah, uh. which is yep, which has been hiding under the the storm. So kind of like the idea that like if you're hiding in apocalypses, the time police won't find you. It's like sure. that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're hiding under massive energy signals, the the signal readers can't find yep. you. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the dragon thing comes into play because the 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 ship we kind of see it from the Red Army's perspective and like all of a sudden they see the the Grail Arbor and then you see Inferno say launch the launch the dragons and there's these like massive like dragon looking like missiles they're made out of coral and they have like mouth beams <laughs> that okay. start shooting out it's like super rad it doesn't make I'm into any that. sense yeah um, yeah like it's it's uh, it's awesome it's so cool um. And and it just like blows the ship to hell. And and Inferno and it's like the exposition is like Inferno made these uh, these synthetic coral dragon missiles like out of respect for the planet's dragon or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Cool. Neat. 
Yeah. Um, in retaliation, Mayo says, unleash the jackhammers. And the jackhammers Ding. are these like, <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. these these special kind of like Voltron-esque transforming ships that turn into these like massive, like literal jackhammers, but they're like, um, they like start pounding the surface of the ocean floor and they make these like massive seismic waves to try to like sh- kind of like blow out the grail heart, the grail arbors, the like ships, engines and stuff. It's pretty cool, honestly. Um, it's it's pretty it's very silly and fun. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, we hadn't checked the giant transformer bot box yet, so yeah, we're there check also that hasn't been a naval battle. So yeah, right. right. Yeah, we're hitting we're hitting a lot of things. Yeah, it's the water dungeon. Um, so there's this kind of stalemate between the the Grail Arbor and these these uh, these jackhammers. Um, the prize that were the remaining prize that were aboard the Grail Armor. We're like sisters. It's time to strike, and they're they're kind of like their whole thing was like we're gonna protect you, Inferno. And he's like, why? I'm machete. And they're like, we we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> and then they do. And there's always like when the prize are there, like the action's always really cool because they like you see them all like they're you know they're like flying toward the 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 camera if you will, and they've got their swords out and they're you know they're very like it's just very epic right like the 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 absolute like biblical style of like angel of death yeah like that kind of imagery well, the, it's like the, it's the objectively cool yeah yeah, yeah. it's a valkyrie yeah exactly it's objectively cool um so this breaks the stalemate and allows the grail arbor to escape to back to their like new hq which is silent earth three ding ding good okay where yeah. are the first two silenters. Um, so the the n- great question. Matt. Do you have an actual answer for that? Wait, do you have <laughs> a real answer for this question? The kind of the um, right. the naming convention of the planets I've learned is is very sporadic, but the numbers don't refer to the number. There are not three silent Earths. It's silent Earth in sector three. Ah, okay, ah. okay. So just like there what, haven't yeah. been hundred and eighty two blinks. There have not been three <laughs> silent Earths. <laughs> I would exactly. say it's more like like how there is there is Paris, France. Does not <laughs> does not mean every city, every country has a Paris, but there are other Parises. Yeah, which, pa- and Earth has a Paris. <laughs> Earth has a Paris. Well, that's what I kept going back to when when you kept saying like Paris Earth was like yeah. I I'm a ma- like it's obviously supposed to be like Paris. With the Eiffel Tower, it, that that is Jersey City is not Earth. No, but no. Paris is because I, of the whole like dumb I creationist that, thing. Yeah, but like where my mind kept going was like there is a Paris like Indiana, yeah. and that yeah. was oh. much funnier <laughs> to me to imagine them yeah. like yeah. Go, going to headquarters in Paris like like Oregon instead well, my, of the yeah, Paris yeah, yeah. with with all the cool shit in it. And I was thinking the same thing as there is a Versailles, but there is also a Versailles, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) And depending on how uneducated you are when you read that, you're going to end up in two different places. Yep. Um, All right. Well, we flip back. So the Grail Arbor escapes. Um, We flip back to Goddardam. And uh, Claudio is attacked by another priest. So this is the, the Bloodborne monster priest. And he is saved just in time by Ambelina. And Ambelina is like super cool. Again, she's your Valkyrie character. Like, of course, she's, you're going to get a lot of gratuitous butt, sh- butt shots. But she's like very cool, very collected, very serious. Like, you know, she kicks ass, whatever. Um, 
Now, this time, he doesn't meet her. There's a couple scenes where, like, she's kind of fighting from the shadows. So he doesn't really realize any of this. He's just kind of, like... He's the the priest kind of, or the priest is like coming attack him is like you know moments away and she kind of like grabs it from behind or whatever. So Claudio just like as an idiot is just walking to a bar to play cards, and uh, and we see him. There's this whole thing where he's like pretending to be drunk so that he can grift all of the locals out of their money. And like meanwhile, he's like yelling with the apparition of his father is like, "This is what you've turned into. This is what you're doing. Like this is the, this is the grift, right?" He's like, "Shut up, dad!" And the guy's like, "What? <laughs> you don't <laughs> know <laughs> me? Yeah, yeah, you're not my real dad." You know, like that thing. Like, what do you know? You know, it's it's great. Um, so he's he's uh he's tricking all of these guys, all these idiots, the local yokels, and he's like winning all their money. And Al shows up, the guy with the brain. You remember him? Yep. Um, so Al is hearing just in time. He sh- Let me take that again. Al shows up just in time to hear Claudio trying to buy passage off the planet. So like at one point, Claudio's like, hey, I will play you for your ship or something. Um, so Al hears that and challenges Claudio to a game for his ship, which is called the Camper Valorium. Sure. Which is a very good name for a ship. Yes. Like, let me be clear. Sure. So this happens. <laughs> I feel very, I feel very strongly about that. Um, so this happens. Claudio loses and then actually gets drunk for real outside of the bar, <laughs> and uh, and all the while like actually yelling at his ghost father, like "Shut up, you don't know me!" Like it's again very all, good. All the things we wanted to yell to our dad in twenty in two thousand and two. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. It's two thousand and three. Two thousand three. Oh. This is when the album came out. Okay. That's hard to say when this was written. Um, so this is all playing out. Um, we kind of, again, the, the books cut back and forth a lot. I'm trying to save you guys from like the whiplash of whatever, but there's a lot of different scenes with Cecil, um, at the slave camp reading the book of Gonsgrad, which remember is the prophecy, the big scary prophecy. Okay. Mm. So I'm going to read you the passage that gets repeated a couple times. And this is like the most important part of the, of the thing. <clears throat> The Lord God will watch his creations and he will find them good to look upon in all their endeavors unless mankind tempers with God's design. In the face of such defacement, the Lord God will send his ultimate judge known as the crowing. So pause. So a couple things to pull from here. God created the heaven's fence. God created, this is where it really gets into the Christianity, Western religion. Mm -hmm. So, um, and if you temper with God's design, i.e. Wilhelm Ryan, has, has gone against the nature of God, which is mage, prize, and humans, mm-hmm. Lord God will send his ultimate judge, the crowing. So this is what Wilhelm Ryan fears, and this is what everybody like is waiting for, the crowing. Um, so the next passage. Beware the coming of the crowing, for then the end of the worlds may be at hand. His arrival will not be unheralded, Instead, it will be presaged by the coming of the visual, a being of such immense power, capable of manipulating the very world around it. This is the uh, word yeah. of Gonsgrad yeah. for the people of Gonsgrad. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of the adolescent teen series Left Behind when I was <laughs> yeah. in high school. <laughs> wow, yeah. A lot of it. A lot of it. And like 
you know, growing up in a very religious home, like I'm very familiar or at least pretty familiar with Revelations. Starting to get some Revelations vibes. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. If Revelations was an episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and this was like like t- I mean like like you kind of hinted at. This was right this was in the time when yeah. like Revelations fiction was popular. Was very big. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kirk Kirk Cameron's Left Behind came out in 2000. So there it is. There you go. Mm -hmm. Did Kirk Cameron write Left Behind? I don't think. Well, he might have. He's at least no. He starred in it. Left Behind was written. Left Behind was written in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I meant like because I also read them. That's why I know that. (laughs) I don't know if he. I I mean, he definitely starred in. I was wondering Mm -hmm. if he also got like directing credit. He he did I think so he he was he was the main character in the like made for TV movie not the Nick Cage one there was a made for TV movie yeah oh my god mm-hmm. um anyway um Mayo and the Red Army are chasing the Grail Arbor to Silent Earth three and the two sides prepare for battle and this is the first like there are two like climactic epic battles this is the first one so during the fight we get to see the power of the iRobots which are basically just X Men. Um, Sizer hulks out kind of like Kohi did and just turns into this big old meat monster and you see him in image 25 yeah. he is a meat monster he is a yeah. meat monster he's, he's pretty great and he's like the whole time he's like I'm doing this for you dad <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you'll love me now <laughs> he's got a really defined belly button hole yeah, I have questions about the belly button hole. <laughs> he does. <laughs> well, he's that like a test tube right. baby, so that's yeah, where the test tube that's baby. where the test like that's... scroll back up to I don't know whatever picture. That... Uh, twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah, I, I would believe that that's 20... his test tube hole. 20. I get that. <laughs> Image twenty. It's yeah. his. It's his cloaca. Everyone just needs it's... to get off him. <laughs> um, there's two more iRobots that don't matter. They're Hack, who also has arm blades, kind of like Coheed, and then Many who can multiply herself, but, like, in smaller duplicates and do, like, Ant-Man shit, they both die, so don't worry about them. All right. Sy- <laughs> so this is the second time I've thought it. Sizer and um, Coheed, they're, like, they're, they're attack forms or whatever. Both look like alternate drawings of, like, Doomsday from... From DC. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yes. You know, they, I, the my closest an- allegory was Abomination, but I think that's yeah. Better. Like if you showed me these out of context, I would have been like, oh, that's a dooms, that's a, a doomsday from from mm-hmm. one of the iterations of Superman. They're very like the bone, the bones jutting out. The like, the, yeah, yeah. I it looks super rad. I love Sizer. Mm-hmm. He's like a mm-hmm. stupid cool character. And and the whole time he's just got, oh, I love you, Dad. <laughs> In front of us, I'm like, imagining like that voice coming out of this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Like cra- like cracking. Not- he is five years old, to be clear. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course Chase, the little girl, is the most powerful because of course she is. Um, if you haven't guessed already, she's the visual. Oh. Um, so her whole thing, it's a little unclear. I think the the vibe is she can absorb energy and like counter it back tenfold. So like kind of like a rogue, kind um, of, but like um, super power rogue or super Shaw, charge Sebastian rogue. Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. Kevin yes. Bacon's character in, yes. in um, X-Men First Class. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's that's better. Yeah. Sebastian Shaw. That's what she does. Um 
she's image 26. So there's a scene with like, sorry. <coughs> Throat's really dry. <clears throat> there's a scene with Chase being surrounded by soldiers. And basically she just creates like a little energy cloud and then like explodes. And all of the soldiers are just dead with like shards of rock and stuff impaling them. Nice. So it's something with like absorbing energy is what it was what she does. Um, very cool. Now, despite all of this power, Inferno's forces still can't stand up to the Red Army. So we've we again like the resistance at this point is just L after L after L. Like they're they're mm-hmm. getting fucking thrown around. Um, I told you, Hack and many the other two iRobots just get absolutely deleted, um, and along with most of the other Red Shirt Resistance members, it don't matter. Uh, but. At the last second, the prize show up again because the prize are our, 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 our saving Sex. grace. Mm-hmm. Yep, quite literally, um, quite literally, and they they start this thing where they go to chase and they channel their energy into chase. Now the prize are they are made up of this like cosmic energy, this cosmic keywork energy that's the MacGuffin of this universe. Mm-hmm. So mm. by by absorbing their keywork energy, Chase basically propels it back at them. And is able to like supercharge them, because like the the hand wavy exposition that the story gives you is the prize are just like they are they are completely made up of keyword cosmic keyword energy insofar as they don't reproduce they literally like copy themselves with like by releasing their cosmic energy that is so that is not far off from like Catholic canon of what angels mm. actually are it, oh I didn't know that okay yeah this this image has so much unnecessary cleavage. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, it was, yeah, it was yeah, 2003, yeah, it really Todd. Every, every <laughs> yeah. single prize is angled in such a way yeah, where cleavage yeah. is on there's, there's the main every, display here. Every prize, is, every prize is naked. There's a lot of boobies. There's a lot of boobies. <laughs> a, lot of boobles. <laughs> a lot of prize boobles. Um, that's image 27, by the way. So this is, this is Chase basically like 3D printing prize. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. So by um, super, she like charges them until they until one copies, and then like exactly, they, yeah, gotcha. and then they make a big old triangle that mm-hmm. looks just like Heaven's Fence. Yep. Because yep. of course they do. And then all the and then all the Coheed and Cambria fans are like, it's the thing again that's on the albums. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So the prize now having been three D printed, fight back against the Red Army and succeed in taking down Wilhelm Ryan. So they actually like there's a prize that like gets on he goes up to him and then like cuts him down and then he surrenders and he's like I'm done we're out. So everyone is like we did it we're hooray rejoice. Um the the resistance takes him in all the other red army is like retreats like the day is won. The the rest of heaven's fence is overjoyed that the war is over. Wilhelm Ryan is gone, his tyranny is 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 done. Um Inferno leads the there is a council because there's always a council um so in infernal <laughs> agrees to let, right inferno inferno convinces the council to hold a trial um for wilhelm ryan not expecting that he's not going to be tried as guilty but they want to show the world the worlds that ryan is just another guy um Wilhelm Ryan's whole thing is like, I am God. I am like, I will be God. You know, like mm, I will replace yeah. God. Yeah. And again, like I say Thanos, cause that's, that's what he wants to be. He wants to be God. Um, all of, again, all of the Bible allegories there. 
So, so Inferno's thing is like, no, he is just like us, and we will try him like he is one of us. Um, in the trial, Inferno charges Wilhelm Ryan with like thousands of charges. They go, they go through all the way back to his entire life, back to when he did a genocide on the whole mage race. Ryan is just sitting there smiling smugly because he's an evil-ass evil guy. Um, they sentence him to death. Um, so in, the, in Image 28, this is like him being tried. Um, which is again, see, show me if you've seen this this uh, this imagery before. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, in a very metal sentencing, they basically like put him in a molecular oven, and they like <laughs> like melt his atoms. So in image twenty nine, this is Wilhelm Ryan getting like molecularly deconstructed. <laughs> oh wow. It looks really fucking cool, dude. It's so yeah. good. It does look <laughs> really awesome. It does yeah. look cool and good. I, I just, really like it. Like, no, normal death is not is not the. We can't just kill this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have to bake his atoms in a molecular oven. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's very silly. And then, like, for for listeners who can't see it, like, you see Inferno and in like a little side panel going pulling a bar down going goodbye ryan and then the, the whole it's like a whole page of like this like orange rays coming out of wilhelm ryan's eyes and he's just like he's dripping he looks like ghost rider but like before he's like tra- while he's transforming mm-hmm. it's so cool i also want to read the first line from one of these blurbs in this comic panel that says they say that the smell was horrendous <laughs> yeah <laughs> good so that that's in reminder that's uh claudio telling apollo this the dog you know oh uh. Yep. Who um, I'm sure is invested. Absolutely. Very. <laughs> there's a, okay, so I didn't write this down. There's actually there's a really good bit in uh when with this narrative bit. So Claudio's talking to Apollo and Claudio is like he's pontificating to Apollo and he's like, You probably don't even know like what God is, or you've never heard the name Wilhelm Ryan. And then like he pauses and like the dog like goes, Arf and uh <laughs> You nope. see in the dog's eye, like there's like a thousand yard stare. You see the reflection of Wilhelm Ryan in the dog's <laughs> eye, like <laughs> implying that the mention of Wilhelm Ryan is so is enough to scare even an animal. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Whatever. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So good. Um, so we we see. Hey, guys, what's Mayo doing? Um, let's check in on Mayo. So Mayo's all like confident that Wilhelm Ryan's gonna be just fine. It's just like moving on being a sadist. Um, to that end, he he captures uh, Sizer, the meat monster, and uh, decides to torture him and chop his body up with a chainsaw. All right, so, of course. Yeah, because he's a sadist. Um, so we check in on Rotterdam and Claudio um, now. So at this point, like the whole you know the town's gone crazy. Like everyone's losing their God- minds. Rotterdam. Goddardam, yeah. Oh, what did I say? Rotterdam? Goddardam? I don't remember what it's called. Notre Dame. We'll get there. Notre Dame. <laughs> Who cares? It's garbage town. Um, Claudio is arguing with his ghost dad about destiny and responsibility and other Lion King shit. Um, <laughs> and then that priest attacks again. But this time, everyone has made themselves known. So Ambelina is there in, in, in point blank in view, and they finally meet. And Ambelina says, like, you are the chosen one. She's Nala talking to Simba, and Simba's, you know, yada, yada. the reflection of his yeah. father, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to come home to Pride Rock, Claudio. Um, <laughs> so, um, a quick cut to Al. Remember Al? A quick yeah. cut to Al. Tried to um, forget him. 
Remember Al's a psychopath? Well, we see Al talking to a woman who's hanging from a meat hook. Nope. As Great. one does. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, later, we see him asking around town, asking about Claudio, because now he's put it together that Ryan's most wanted special boy is the same special boy that he won that card game against. So he's got his, size sets on, his, si- his sights set on Claudio as well. Um. Claudio tells Ambelina the war is over, Ryan is gone, there's no need for prophecy or special boys or anything like that. Ambelina says that's not the case, Ryan will come again. Um, so they walk around town, they're arguing about destiny and prophecy, and they find the chopped up remains of Sizer. Now remember, Sizer is a robot, an iRobot. So even though like Coheed and Cambria are dead, like die like people, Josephine died like people. Doesn't. Sizer mm-hmm. doesn't, and they just so basically like Claudio takes him back to his hovel. Well, Claudio sees this man who's been cut up into remains and says, "I can rebuild him. <laughs> I have the technology." Mm-hmm. <laughs> they white vision his ass back together. <laughs> they white vision his ass back together. Um, also, Claudio lives in like this hovel in the sewer, and it's not. In, it's never set up that Claudio has any engineering skill or any kind of mecha- mechanical skill whatsoever. But he's the he just does one. this. He's a special boy. Um, so back at the trial, uh, Wilhelm Ryan has been molecularly melted. Um, Inferno continues the side story where he's struggling with the idea of parenthood, um, that he is somehow connected to Sizer and Chase. Um, he's like, where's Sizer? And someone says, we can't find him. He's like, oh, damn. Um, <laughs> during this whole thing, it's revealed that Wilhelm Ryan's body disappeared in transit. Uh-oh. Oh no! Body. What's you... left after you molecularly melt a body? What do you mean a body? Also, who who lost that? What intern <laughs> messed that one up? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same guy who misplaced JFK's brain. So this is really good. All right. So image thirty. Don't look at it yet, but we'll for image thirty. I'm going to set up the scene. So we cut to House Atlantic, which is the very cool prog rock castle mm-hmm. that Ryan lives in. Um, some like who cares scientist is overseeing this like very sci-fi contraption, which also looks like the machine that Gruntilda uses in Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Um, the machine kind of like sputters and pops and explodes and out comes a very alive Wilhelm Ryan who says Wilhelm Ryan is risen and reveals that his plan all along was to convince people that he is God. And this is image 30. Okay. Wow. Great. Also, it's great that he comes out in a towel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though like his whole body is just like boils and veins. Yeah. Boils and veins. Like, you know, uh, we had that whole page of of angel cleavage before, but yeah, but can't we can't, can't show any dongs? dongs. Yeah, can't show any dongs. It's 2003. Can't show any dongs. Isolate um, the readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Wilhelm Ryan is back, um, and that's that's different. So um, <laughs> we we cut back to Shiloh's ten, uh, Goddardam, and uh, Claudio is rebuilding Sizer. Like I said. While he's doing that, um, the city is attacked by this band of mutant prog rock zombies called the Narrows. And this is image 31. 
Hey, I like the Narrows a lot. Are this we going to get more of them? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> ah, bummer. They're what? just kind of like a weird plot device, but the, but the, the art rules so yeah. hard on these. It yeah. so does. Why is the man in the back on a horse with a revolver and a cowboy hat? Matt, Matt do you want to just want to paint the picture to the readers or to the listeners what this is? Yeah, I mean, like, you've got the first Ghost Rider in the very back, and then all of these zombies are wearing skin like skin masks and they all kind of look like different ways one might tie a diaper like you've got a shredder looking guy in the back you've got this really like veiny diamond mouth in the front this guy's got hooks holding his lips back this is like so if you've never if you're not in the same small niche communities that i am and you've never been to a haunted house convention mm-hmm. where people sell haunted house props in vendor booths. This is what vendor booths at haunted house conventions look that, like. I'm I'm not surprised by that. It looks I mean it looks like someone someone who doesn't know anything about like the rave scene or the punk scene making a movie in this time period cast yeah. this, cast this page. Like everyone either has a lot of piercings or metal chains around their arm or body, or a metal arm. And also, a person's being thrown. Just yeah. thrown. <laughs> if Guillermo del Toro directed a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, yeah. these would be the villains. This is it. That's um, it. Also, That's it. middle right side, under the stairs, I'm pretty sure Baraka is there. That's Baraka for sure. That is, that is Baraka, Baraka from Street Fighter. Um, Are we done? It's really good. Did we run the bit out? (laughs) This is definitely like one of my favorite panels in the entire comic. It's so good. Isn't Um, it Blanca? Oh, yeah. yeah, You're right. Uh Mortal Kombat. Thank you. You you got me. Thanks. I was like, there shouldn't be an R there. We got it. It's everyone new. And and unfortunately, what sucks is like the Narrows is such a small part of the story. Um, Really, the only reason why Narrows even matter is. uh, that kind of funnels Al down into the sewers. So like Al is kind of running and he fights off a couple mm. because he's got all these like hidden blades and shit because he's a psychopath or whatever. So Al, excuse me, Al fights them off and escapes down to the sewer where he runs into Claudio and Ambelina. And then the three of them team up and are fighting off the prog zombies with the help of a new and improved Sizer in Image 32. So Sizer's back, our meat boy, our super, our super meat <laughs> our boy. Our re-stitched meat boy. Mm-hmm. And Sizer, uh, Sizer fights the Narrows. And this is really funny because uh, Sizer in like full meat monster mode is looking at Claudio. And he's like, if I do this, will, will you? are you proud of me? And Claudio's <laughs> like... It, yeah, sure. I'm proud of you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> he just- <laughs> wow. Uh, oh boy, it's great. Um, Claudio starts to believe in himself with the power of his new friends, and the real world interpretation of his self love is the fact that he can now make Sue Storm energy shields with his green magic. He's got green magic now. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Question question back about Sizer and his cloaca. It now looks like it's a crotch hole and not yeah. a navel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a little that, low that to be a... flew south. Yeah. I think um, we can blame Claudio for that. Um, Feels right. So Wilhelm Ryan has now completed his transformation to Thanos in Image 33. And uh, he reveals that oh he God. is... <laughs> yeah. He has rebuilt Admiral Krom... Remember Admiral Crom, the guy yeah. that gets like fucking wasted from Monster? Mm-hmm. He, 
he yeah. he kind of, yeah yeah he he rehooks admiral Crom, but like just his torso and head to like he hot wires him to the mainframe of house atlantic and like he speaks in like computer talk so admiral Crom is now like the jarvis of house atlantic i <laughs> i love that great. it's so that great rules. yeah it does it super does and then we have an awesome picture of house atlantic with like the lightning crashing behind it yep very that, cool. I was looking for a picture of it. That is a prog rock ass castle. Is yeah. this is this Inferno's very veiny forehead talking to Ryan Wilhelm in this picture? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the art the art in, in keeping secrets is is so much better than in second stage, it, especially it really the back is. half. Yeah. 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 They they definitely the 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 first the front half of it has some weird like they give too much detail on some of the heads. Um, but the back half is like somebody else. There's like a different artist in every volume or every couple volumes. That's why the art is like very sporadic. The art in the back half of sec- of uh, In Keeping Secrets is, is excellent. So I've got a lot of pictures here. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I lost my place. Um, okay. So Al offers Claudio and Ambelina passage on his ship, the Camper of Lorium, to get out to escape Goddardam. Um, Claudio says, yes, but first we have a pit stop to make. And they, they head back to the slave camp to find Cecil. They're going to pick up Cecil. Um, but they find that because, so remember the, the red army was like sacrificing all the aliens. Using people as fuel. Yeah. Using people as fuel. Mm -hmm. Well, Wilhelm Ryan is, is gone. So as far as they think, um, and they just said, fuck it. They're just, they just were lining up people and throwing them in. Cause they're like, we're done. We're getting off this, this shit rock. We're just <laughs> going to throw everyone in planet. and leave. Yeah. This literal garbage planet. Um, so they, they arrived to see this just like giant line of aliens being thrown into this reactor one by one. And, uh, they, the three of them do some cool Avengers shit and they, they all fight off the soldiers. Um, Claudia was like searching wildly for his old friend, Cecil. Um, he finds him. Cecil's like in a crowd. He's like, I'm here, Claudio. And uh, Claudio's like, I'll find you. And then he like accidentally discharges his new green magic and like blasts Cecil into the reactor by accident. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That's image 34. He's like, get away. He's like, he's got Sue Storm powers. And everyone's like, Claudio, be careful. And then it knocks Cecil into the reactor. Aw. Cecil. Yeah. Is it? It's Cecil, right? It's not Cecil. It, you say that Are you I've asking us? It could be either, but I would say Cecil. Well, I've like heard that both. name is okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard both. Okay. Um, there is a Cecil PA near where I grew up, and I always used to say Cecil, and I heard it pronounced Cecil, mm. so I assumed it, that that was all. I was always wrong. It might be a case of like depending on what side of the Atlantic you're on. Yeah, you, we're you on the favor side of the Atlantic. Nah. He said the thing, guys. He did it. Give him a couple claps. Um, so Claudio, instead of like mourning his friend, just says fuck it and leaps in after him. To be clear, he doesn't save Cecil at all. <laughs> but <clears throat> what he does do is cause an even bigger explosion. So yeah. the all of the energy powering House Atlantic now gets redirected through Claudio's special boy veins. Ooh. And he gets super powered up. So now with another death on his conscience and a fuck ton of cosmic energy in his body, Claudio in image 35 is finally ready to be the crowing. 
And that's that's him as Jesus wearing did, denim jeans. Oh, did I was his, expecting a much more like dramatic picture. Yeah. Did his jeans survive the reactor explosion? <laughs> Actually, perfectly. His huh. jeans and his trench coat, Todd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His tre- his trench coat blowing in the wind behind in the dust behind him, and Ambelina carrying the dead body of Sizer is like, good. Right. You're ready. <laughs> good. Um. So the team, the the new friends, head back to the camper Valorium to head to House Atlantic. They're going to go confront Ryan and this. But uh-oh, Ambelina finds Al's secret meat locker full of bodies. Uh-oh. Oh, right. Uh-oh, because Al's a psychopath killer. So um, Al reveals that he was just trying to, to kidnap them, to take them to Ryan to get the bounty. Um, he tries to paralyze her with some ring gizmo. Well, he does paralyze her. <laughs> Um, then he tries to paralyze Claudio as well, but it doesn't have enough charges or something. He has to wait like a long rest for more charges to reset. <laughs> so, so Claudio just instead beats his ass with cosmic energy. Um, and then the two of them fight and they, some, he like sticks a dagger. He tries to attack him with a dagger, but like the dagger redirects and goes into the ship's panel navigation panel which of course like immediately causes it to overheat and then spin out of control and like head and just kind of like out of control on a collision course straight for house atlantic so they're heading there (laughs) um it's all coming to a head so claudio al sizer and oh sizer's not dead sorry um sizer and ambelina all by one by one like eject themselves from the ship and just kind of like wind up on the ground outside of house atlantic um, also, Inferno's there. Hi, Inferno. <laughs> um, Inferno and his troops, along with the prize, are all there. So everyone's there. We're at House Atlantic. We're ready to fucking go. This is like the final showdown with Frieza. Like it's 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 go it's go time, baby. Um, and this is when we see the true power of House Atlantic. Ryan Ryan flips on some weapon to reveal. Oh, actually, so first Ryan flips on this like laser weapon that fries like a like a mass of prize, and then he turns on the 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 Admiral Crom button and <clears throat> turns House Atlantic into a giant kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> and that's image 36. Fuck yeah. Why is, the, ul- why is the ultimate power of the thing always a, la- a giant laser or a kaiju? Inferno. Meanwhile, Inferno, Sizer, and Ambelina are all fighting their own battles, trying to hold off the Red Army and the priests. This is an image of uh, Ambelina just like slicing through or gutting a fucking Constantine priest. It looks like another Bloodborne monster. That has an eyeball for a penis. Yeah, super does. <laughs> it does. Didn't, um, didn't feel like that was necessary in the artwork, but yeah. yeah. So Claudio's final like, you can become a Super Saiyan moment. Is it, well, uh, let me let me back up. Okay, so everyone is watching the kaiju thing happen, and somehow Al is like alive despite the fact he just like fell from a ship from like thousands of feet up. <laughs> he he stabs Claudio in the back and like nearly kills him, and nearly kills Claudio. And Claudio's like writhing on the ground, and then he's got Chase who's there too because Inferno is there. So he's like holding Chase. He's got like a knife to her throat. And Claudio, in like a real like Super Saiyan moment, he sees the ghost of his dead father and his dead mother, Cambria. And she's and she tells him, you can do it, Claudio. Just tap into my abilities. 
So he does that, and his eyes turn green, and he realizes that he can also have green Jean Grey powers, and that he now has the power. He now has the power to cast command on people. So he looks at Al and he says, "No," and he turns Al into his hypnosis bodyguard in the image eight thirty eight. I hate this. <laughs> like there are parts like yeah. Like you said, you have to buy in, and there's moments you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, I'm in a, I hate this. <laughs> a good eye sniper. All right, keep going. I this shoot, you run. This scene looks a lot like Frank Castle, Cosmic Ghost Rider, stopping regular <laughs> Frank Castle from killing baby Thanos. Yeah. And I know that's a weird pull, but, like, I've seen this picture before. Yeah, no, that's it. Yep. We've talked about that on the show before, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. In the Ghost Rider, oh, uh, that's right, that's right. In the Ghost Rider um, commissioned Cause, episode, because he wear he wears Ghost Rider and all the baby Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanos, Thanos is in the baby Bjorn. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah, Than- yeah, baby Thanos is in a little baby Bjorn. Um, so remember, I said Chase is the visual, the visual. Um, so once Claudio saves Chase from Al, the two join hands and go Super Saiyan. Um, <laughs> Now, remember that Chase can channel energy into others, so now she is basically creating a god. Yeah. This is in image 37. I say, it's definitely, like, to me, I think Super Saiyan, but, like, if you don't know the DBZ reference, think, like, mm-hmm. Sonic Adventure 2 at the end when Sonic and Shadow both used the power of the Chaos Emeralds to turn into Super um, Shadow and a Super A much Sonic. more relatable um, yeah. example than Dragon <laughs> Ball Z, for sure. I would argue for our audience, maybe. <laughs> Kyle, okay. Got him. (laughs) Listen, I have read a lot of this shit. I spent three days fucking looking through, digesting every single Cody and Cambria song for your stupid face. So fuck you, Kyle. (laughs) Fuck you, I love you. Mm. Fair enough. That's fair. I Um, I deserved that. We're not even, we didn't even talk about the, the text in this last panel in the one photo. Why don't you read it? Yeah, so, so... Claudio, who got stabbed by a knife that that looks like it would just ruin your whole day? Uh, Chase says, that's a vicious wound. Are you going to be okay? And Claudio opens up his trench coat, which his trench coat didn't get cut, even though his no. entire shirt did. Um, and he says, I'm fine, Chase. No, he's, it's got to be a cooler voice. I'm fine, Chase. I refuse to let the wound stop me. And so there is no wound. And then there's no wound on his chest. Yeah, yeah he has, he's like, a Scientologist. Gene, he has Jean Grey God powers. <laughs> he's he's got that's sci- something. No, that's Scientology. That's what Scientology is. It's just you believe that you don't. You're not hurt, and you're not hurt. Oh, so he's God. a Scientologist. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, it's cool. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, cool Chase is not Claudio- the word I would use, but it's something. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Um, Chase and Claudio then collect their spirit bomb energy, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, while they're doing that, um, Ambelina and Inferno are kind of leading the rest of the troops in a retreat while, while, because they, you know, the house Atlantic turned into a giant kaiju and, uh, and Claudio's kind of like powering up. Right. So all everyone's escaping. Claudio creates this massive energy shield that protects the res- the rest of the resistance fighters from the onslaught of house Atlantic. Um, and then he collects that energy, and even in a cooler moment, he redirects that back in one giant Kamehameha wave in image 40 here. Now, Andrew, Sick. I don't quite know what a what a Kamehameha wave is. Could you put that yeah. in Sonic Adventure 2 terms for me? <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> so, Carl, thank you. I'm glad you asked. Oh, that's so good. It's like when Live and Learn is playing at the end of the Sonic Adventure 2, and you have to go and charge the little boils on the big dragon boss at the end of it to make it uh-huh. explode. Oh, that, that, thank you. That makes so much more sense to me now. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, stupid. Fuck. I hate us. Um... Oh, God. Uh, so everybody, Inferno, Ambelina, Claudio, the iRobots, the prize, they all successfully escape Star 4. Because this is where House Atlantic was on Star 4, which is like the center of the mm-hmm. fence. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So epilogue. Claudio is back talking to Apollo. He's summing up the whole story, saying like he finally accepts his destiny and the place in the universe. He is Neo, basically. <laughs> and the last line is Claudio telling the dog... In image 41, and I want us all to say this together. I no, want us all I to won't. say this together. No, Todd, I'm you going to. Todd, three, I'm gonna, two. I'm gonna, wait, time out. I want you to know, I, Todd Thomas, edit this episode, and I'm not syncing this. <laughs> I will not sync it. All right. Claudio looks at the dog and says, <laughs> with green fire in his eyes, he says, good Apollo, I'm burning I'm star, star four. four. The power of friendship. (laughs) (laughs) There were. That's like that's the next. The next. That's the next one. Yep. So the third and fourth studio albums from Coed and Cambria are called "Good Apollo." I'm burning star four, volume volume one and volume two. two. Yep. Okay. Got it. So that's Mm -hmm. our Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Like, and and I'll, I'll say it here, so I don't have to say it later legitimately there's been parts of the story where i'm like that's pretty cool i'm mm-hmm. i'm good with that but then they're like well are you because guess what we're about to do <laughs> um, yeah all right <clears throat> so that's the story let's we're gonna go through the album and then i promise we'll be done okay so the album i really like this album this is a great album if you're if you're interested in getting into coheed and cambria and you never want to read amory wars because like um Listen to this album first. This is a great introductory to their work. Introduction to their work, excuse me. Okay. First track of the album is called Ring and Return. Just like the last album, the first track is an instrumental. Um, it also repeats that time passage melody to show that time has passed. Um, there are a couple of nods to the, like, the narrative framing device. The, the song starts with a phone ringing and a woman saying hello. And that is... Um, him talking to him he's like there's a point where he's calling Nuo and she's not and he's not responding um and then it ends with a voice saying hello Apollo where should I begin it's the framing device Hmm. thanks um so the first real track is is probably like IMO like one of my favorites of all time uh it's just in keeping secrets of silent earth 3 so this is like this is the big showdown. This is covering the period of time, like underwater, when they find the Grail Ar- the Grail Arbor mm-hmm. through the showdown on Silent Earth, obviously Silent Earth three. Um, so this is, uh, oops, sorry, the chorus reference references uh, both sides of the battle. So the Red Army is like using their Voltron ships. Um, man your own jackhammer. Man your battle stations. That's the song. Um, We'll have you dead pretty soon. Sincerely written from my brother's blood machine. Man your battle station. We'll have you pretty home pretty soon. And then that comes back at the end of the song. That's like a call and response um, to kind of like end out. So it's again referencing the the troops arriving on Silent Earth. Um, We have a part in this. There's like there's a couple of movements in this song. This is like not again. This is not like that progressive. The next album is the most prog rocky, but 
there's a couple like specific movements. There's a there's a bridge part where um, the line is for you. I do anything just to make you happy. Here here you tell me that you're proud of me. For them, I'll kill anything. Cut the throats of babies for them. Break their hearts for they were them waiting for you to say I love you too. And that's Sizer talking to Inferno. Um, another line, her favorite, the one they call the vision that bears the gift. That's Chase. Um, and then uh, I just want to, just a note here. Like again, I love the song. This is um, this is the one I mentioned earlier, where like mm-hmm. where when I was in the audience, I was like I've never screamed louder. Like make your own jackhammers. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot i loved it, it was, was this the one time. you shared with us earlier today yeah 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 because it was rad yeah. that was real yeah good. it's it's a great song it's a really good song i would also say that like this is you know you go to a concert and you see a band and they save their top three songs on spotify for the encore but there's one song near the end of their set that's like the big one yeah this is the big one mm-hmm. yeah they, yeah they play this live a lot for that reason um <clears throat> the next track uh cuts marked in the march of men um, this is continuing where the last one leaves off. So this is the the ending of the battle on Silent Earth. Um, this is where uh, this is the part where Chase is supercharging the prize. Um, so the the line here in, from Inferno's Resistance in your in your last hour stand, you'll notice the one that you had loved in dreams is here among the others. Chase, it's you I want. Then why should I spend any more time in a world that's going to end pretty soon? <clears throat> This comm link's lost its frequency, and I feel that we're coming home short. Here, take me instead. I'd rather not see her off alone. So that's Inferno. Um, and then there is it. The end of the song is this uh, bridge that's repeating, tonight we form, tonight we form, tonight we form. And then that starts the the instrumental. There's like a guitar solo. Um, that's the prize multiplying themselves and screen uh, 3D printing themselves. Hmm. Uh, next track is called Three Evils in parentheses embodied in love and shadow and this one is is kind of depicting the trial of Wilhelm Ryan and it, the evils are referring to the evils of the Red Army um, so the the line a cautious ear to the mouth of your confession think of all the things we put him through in the face of his God would he tell the truth so this is Inferno like at, talking to the council and considering the value of actually putting Wilhelm Ryan on trial um, sever the limbs off his torso in sleep and burn what remains so the world may now see no longer will we wait for your answers so that's the council and then the general population's opinion of Ryan uh, during the trial um, meanwhile Mayo is slicing up Sizer with a chainsaw um, slowly discarded were the remains of his lonely youth among the alley where the dwellers scarce to, or scared to notice scarce to notice picture a young boy in pieces and streets with leveled malfunctions no name to be called Redeemer. Um, and then the song ends with this refrain. Dear my friends, in the time we spent forever, after, beyond this, when will our nightmare ever end? Pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. And it repeats. Pull the trigger and the nightmare stops. Pull the trigger and the nightmare <laughs> stops. Yeah, it's cool. Um, okay, so then the next ch- the next song is The Crowing, which, like again, this is our special boy, The Crowing, Claudio. Um, this is when he finally meets his silent protector, Ambelina. Um, so this is like a back and forth song. There's a there's a couple like mini movements to this one too. This is like you can tell this is when they're experimenting with like more you know kind mm-hmm. of like weird prog rocky shit. Yeah. Um, 
I wish not. I wish not to play. So this is the the first line or the first verse. I wish not to play part in it. A heart stained in hate. A feeling I will fear. A feeling I fear will play circles. So Claudio originally wants no part in this. Um, he starts considering his place in the world. Would I walk through the door, shedding the light of all life? With the rise and reform, would I come as before? Um, meanwhile, you remember Ambelina is just kind of like busting priests left and right. I fought the decisions that call and lost my part as the relevant piece in this. I will come reformed. In short, for the murders of those I court, I bless the hour that holds your fall. Sincerely, I will kill you all. <laughs> um, then finally, at the end of the song, Claudio decides to team up with Ambelina. I will call you out from shelter, burn your wings, you'll know no better. I will call you out from shelter, burn your wings, and learn their letters. Dear Ambelina, the prize wishes you to watch over me. And that's like, again, the, that's the repetitive line. Dear Ambelina, the prize wishes you. Um, and, then that, and then that kind of like echoes out in the song. The song fades out. Not um, a single one of these sounds like a song lyric. Not a yeah. single one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's wild. And uh, I, I want to ask this now because I'm going to forget. Andrew, if you had to guess of the fan base, what percentage is aware of the context? I had, if I had to guess, 15%. Okay. Maybe 20. I was just curious. I figured, yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask I, that question. I I've asked because I've asked at shows. Um, I'm always curious. Like, I'll standing next to people and they'll be like, oh, it's cool. And like, some people are really into it and some people aren't, you know? <laughs> when you when you're the, what do you think about the allegory the allegories <laughs> in the story <laughs> to Claudio exactly. <laughs> yeah. um okay so the first of the two major singles on this album um i mentioned earlier blood red summer the thing here's the thing about the singles they're singles they're meant to be played on the radio mm-hmm. yeah. they, they don't have any they really don't yep. have any nods to the the song blood red summer is just kind of a fun song it 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 technically uh has it technically takes place in between like in the in the canon it would take place like when the narrows attack or right before when the narrows attack when they're still like wilhelm ryan is <coughs> is is dead so you could argue like blood red summer might might refer to like the summer of george like it's like everyone's happy it's like you know they're doing whatever they want in the summer but there there is a line at the end that says what did i do to deserve this and I think that could be referencing when Sizer is like in pieces sitting in the junkyard, but I'm just being, that's only speculation. Um, still a good tune. I like it a lot. Okay. So the, there is, this is the first like multiple act uh, piece in the, in the album. A couple of the albums do this. Um, the Camper Valorium one, two, and three. These are three separate tracks. Um, Camper Valorium obviously is, is Al ship. So this is referring to all of the time that Claudio, Ambelina and Al are together. So starting off with the Narrows attack in the sewer to them getting to the slave town or slave camp and Claudio exploding the reactor to them landing at House Atlantic. Cool. Hmm. Cool. Um, The songs, I don't know what the fuck they have to do with anything. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. Um, Camper Valorium 1 is called Faint of Hearts. Um, This is... uh, uh, hard to say there's there's a couple lines um there's a line that i think might be claudio patching up sizer saying uh, did somebody take your tongue in worries of the words that you couldn't say if they could have saved them from sure i know 
it makes sense for your music. And then there's a repetitive uh, uh, throughout the song <laughs> that is actually referencing when Claudio like busts into the bar. He's waving his arms saying cuckoo-cachoo because he's the crowing and that was like a fun tra- scene transition. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. When was yep. Arrested Development popular? Uh, because, 2003. Because they did all of the impressions of chickens, of chickens. wrong. Yeah, it was 2003. So. Oh my god. Yeah, that's probably a good call. You know, and um, I wouldn't put it past the right someone on the writing staff of Arrested Development to be a uh, a big Cohe- Coheden Cambria. Or um, vice versa. I'm band. not sure which yeah. which chicken which 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 <laughs> wrongly quoted chicken laid the, the egg. The the I think the nod. So there's like a scene transition when someone is talking about Claudio as the crowing, and. And then the scene transition is him doing cuckoo kachu like a mm-hmm. crow. It's like a it's like a, a I mean and cuckoo not kachu, so subtle nod to that, but cuckoo kachu has been like shorthand for nonsense since sure. yeah. I am the walrus. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yep. yeah. Yep. Um Camper Valorium two, back end of forever. Guys, I gotta tell you, I have no idea. This one's about like an ex girlfriend. <laughs> like it has nothing to do. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, I overheard that you are unhappy to misleading trust into a relationship that makes no sense over and out Connecticut. <laughs> Great. Cool. That was me throwing my arms up. Uh, this isn't love there on the back end of forever. I wish I would never hurt again. I wish I would never hurt again. Um, that could reflect what Claudio, like when Claudio knocks his friend into the thing and he's like, fuck everything. And when he accepts his green power, I guess, like it's the vibe or whatever, but it's hard to say. Um, Camper Valorium 3, Al the Killer. What do you think this is about? Um, it's it's Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, about Jar Jar yeah. Binks. Yep, Al's revealed to be a crazy psychopath murderer. Who'd have thought? Um, when I kill her, I'll have her, in parentheses, dance upon the graves of the dead upon your name. Die white girls, die white girls. So. Yikes. All right. Kind of surprised that uh, this album didn't get like banned from my elementary school, and I heard about it a whole bunch because of that line. It's because it's inscrutable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to dive so deep to understand any of the misogyny in this. Like, it is not easy. <laughs> it is you have to really hurt, work hard to be offended by this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Favorite House Atlantic, baby. Here we are. Fifteen pages of notes later, and we're finally talking about the song. Here's the bad news. As much as I want the line good eye sniper to be referencing some like some troop yelling like good eye sniper, it doesn't it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> like, it, it has nothing to do with anything. Um, it's a single. The the what I've got, well, the closest thing I have is the vibe of the song. Like, right, it's like nah, 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 nah. like you can mm-hmm. see like a giant mech riding out of the ocean, you know. <laughs> yeah. So like it's it's the vibe. Um the second verse. I've always thought when I when I, before I knew the story of this, I knew that they were like running from something because the the second verse is run quick, they're behind us. Didn't think we'd ever make it this close to safety in one piece. Now you want to kill me in the act of what could maybe save us from sleep and what we are. So I think that's probably referencing Claudio kind of bubbling up everybody and and, and ushering them out as they're kind of retreating from Robo House Atlantic. <laughs> It's called a favor house Atlantic. I th- I think that's the idea. It's like it's turning into a mech, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm taking that as a W. Uh, there is a cool Easter egg. I never knew this. I've heard this song a thousand times in my life, and I never noticed the. There is a weird. Um, there's kind of like a, a weird 
backwards melody at the end of the song, and that's that time passage melody playing, playing backwards. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, second and last track is called The Light in the Glass. Um, I like this track a lot. It's like it's the it's kind of like a ballad. It's a much slower song. Uh, this is my cell phone ringback tone for a long time. <laughs> Just to really Excellent. date this, you know? Yep. Um, so this is we're back with Claudio and Apollo outside of Nuo's house. Remember, this is the, the narrative for thing. So this is the end of the, the end of the thing. Um, the this again, this is like a sad reflective ballad. Um, one of the lines, did I bother telling you this with the words that cross teeth and jump lips? A poor choice of words in wanting to tell you anything, but words don't come with ease, they're forever my hurt. I'll lay awake for a while, I'll leave the light on a while. So I think like this is him kind of like talking to Nuo and like I you know, I regret everything mm-hmm. that I've done or whatever, like I'll you know. Um there's also this whole thing with like a father and a brother and a family that died. I don't know. It has nothing to do with the story. Um, not in the song, but in, apparently in the original album booklet, the line, my dearest Apollo, I'll be burning star four appears at the end. Hmm. And then um, the song ends with this slick guitar solo over top of the refrain. Pray for us all. Pray for us all. Pray for us all. And then uh, the this that time passage melody plays again to signify the end of it. Um, oh, we got a hidden track. It's called Twenty One Thirteen, and it also makes no sense. Um, <laughs> according surprise, um, according to the wiki, uh, this song. Is supposedly timing tying back Time Consumer, which is the first track on Second Stage uh, Turbine Blade, and iRobot, which is the hidden track off of the first album. Um, I can't make head. I spent a lot of time trying to piece this one together. I really couldn't. Um, There's a line when I fall asleep, your face is all I see. Dear Mama, I love. Please, Mom, they're coming for me. Please, Mom, run, lock your door, they're coming for. Dot, dot, dot. That could be like one of the Kilgannon kids. It could be Sizer and Chase. Eh, it's hard to say. So, so yeah, that's uh, in keeping secrets of Silent Earth three. And with that is our entire coverage forever and ever of Amory Wars. Dang! All right. Yeah, there's like how many more books of this? Uh, there are two more for the rest of the main series. Good oh, Apollo and Burning, and Burning Star Volumes 1 and 2, and then Year of the Black Rainbow. Um, I think that's all that's been written now. There's no, there's no side story. There's no, uh, graphic novel for, um, After Man yet. Um, Shit's I don't dense. know if there's one for, actually, I don't know if there's one for Black Rainbow. There might be. I can't remember. So, yeah, this is like half of it, what's been published so far. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll get the ball rolling. Um, I like this. This was fun. <laughs> um, this story is ass, and I have no qualms about saying that yeah. the story is bad. Yeah. But the concept of a lead singer it's writing fun. a graphic novel and being like, "Man, I really like my own shit. What if I wrote a band about it?" Rad. Yeah. I'm it's, so in. It's fun and weird. Yeah. I um I said it off air that like I am a sucker for a like multi-connected universe or a, a multimedia project sort of thing. I and mean, that's what part of the reason I like FNAF so much is that there are games and movies and books and all sorts of shit. And um, I like things that tie in with other things, even if the story is bad. Um, I'm probably going to listen to more Coheed now. I'm never going to read these ever. <laughs> no, there you go. No, I, I have the three books. If you ever want to borrow them, I won't. <laughs> um yeah i'll this was like matt said 
story abs like throw it in the trash but like some of the concepts <laughs> in here some you know uh, the imagery the the cool big like anime moments absolutely rock but like the the whole like connective tissue tying it all together didn't need didn't need that like i i appreciate that that um they they like did it and made it like became this world famous prog rock band off the back of the this comic mm-hmm. but but it it doesn't make it good a good comic no no, not. <laughs> Kyle and Matt already hit the highs and the lows. So I have nothing <laughs> further to add. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to this as honestly as I did putting it together because this was a fucking blast. Um, thank you so much to Matt S for listening and supporting us and commissioning this episode. Also, hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you feel like you don't have to ever read the Amory Wars because <laughs> <laughs> may I remind you, not great. Um, one more time, too, I really want to shout out this podcast, The Amory Score by Abnormal Mapping. Again, like, had I not found this, I would not have gotten nearly enough of the context or a lot of the images that I found either. Um, check them out on iTunes or on their website at, get ready for this, I need mayo.com. Oh, oh perfect. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hate that the most. I'm, it's really good. I, no, I'm it's really good. glad for them that they got that. Yeah, like that was a really good. That was a get. It was a get. They've been they uh they started this project back in 2017. I think they're still going. Um, Dang! Wow. Um, thanks everybody for listening in to debate this. You at home can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at debate this cast or on our website at debatethiscast.com. Um. And just a quick reminder, we are pausing our flavor text commissions just for a couple months, um, just because people have been so awesome, and we are unfortunately backlogged through the end of February of next year. However, we will be starting them up again later in the year, probably after Halloween. So keep thinking, if you're interested in commissioning, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, or if you're a Patreon, hit us a Patreon message and just say, like, hey, is this something you'd be willing to do, blah, blah, blah. Answer is, we're going to do it. Um, so yeah, let's keep talking. Um, but think about you know if you're what you want to commission, and then we can uh, start figuring stuff out later in the year. Um, once again, that is a one-time fifty-dollar ask. Um, if that's too big a commitment, or you're not interested in doing that, that's totally fine. Consider instead kicking us five dollars, and you can get access to our premium feed, um, through which you'll be able to listen and uh, download all current and past episodes of the Office Drones which is our D&D Real Play podcast. But wait, it's not just a D&D Real Play podcast. Stay right there. There's some special things. Uh, this is a D&D Real Play podcast where all of our characters are actual office workers who have been transported in a fantastical, magical fantasy setting. And it's super weird, and it's super hilarious, and we're very, very excited of the progress that we made. We actually, at the time of this recording, um, will have just released... Our uh, our latest album, which features Eric Silver, who you may remember as a guest uh, who we had on a couple months ago and also is the head of the GM for Join the Party, which is an actual D&D real play podcast. So our uh, our latest album, uh, Andrew. Yeah, is that what album. I said? Yeah, yes. you said album. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so tired. Until next time. I'm Andrew Henderson. I'm Kyle. 
I need mayo is what I yell every night at dinner time. Harper. I'm Todd. Call of Shibuti, modern prog rock. Thomas. And I'm Matt. Roses are red. This flavor text brought sadness. Good Apollo. I'm burning Star Four, <laughs> Volume One, from from fear through the eye of madness. <laughs> <laughs> Go find us by the swing sets. I'm burning star four.